This is Cowboy Shed with Ted Stoben and Wacy Anderson. Welcome to episode 141 of Cowboy Shed with Ted and Wacy. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Wacy Anderson. And we're both in Calgary today. And it's a pretty nice day out there. And spring yeah. is yeah, spring is finally sprung. Well, we're just in the we're I think we're in the third edition of Fool's Spring because it's gonna snow again this week on Thursday. I saw that article this morning. The Fool's Spring one? That the snow is like like twenty centimeters of snow expected some places. Oh really? Oh geez, I didn't it's know crazy. It was that much. Yeah, so it's be pretty oh, gnarly, crap. like a big storm. So we better get these leaves out of the yard here pretty soon then. Be greasy. But it's yesterday so was like an all-time Calgary spring day. It was so nice. I missed it. I was somewhere else. But what do you do? What do you do? Storm man? got a lot you of yard right? work done, though. I gotta say, thank her for that. Say good job. Man, she's been doing some work with the, the, the HQ. Yeah, she's she has. it's very impressive the change that has happened at 4620. Yeah, because you were here the last times week. when I lived there. You yeah. were here. That's right. Cause uh, so what was going on? Well, last week I was in Denver quick, so I went Tuesday, Wednesday, I was in Denver, went to the hockey game, Oilers and the Avalanche. That was a heck of a game to get to. Potential Western Conference final preview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and Edmonton beat them, beat Colorado in overtime, but it was a hell of a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went down there uh, and met up with my sales manager from Montana Silversmith, Jade Offer, and uh, another sales rep, Patrick Powers, both guys you know now, two ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. But... Jade kept talking about a hockey game and he said a hockey, he like he's a, he's a hockey fan, which surprises yeah. me because there's not many Americans that I know that are actually true hockey fans. Mm-hmm. There's a few like Justin Felisco is working for like USA hockey now. Right. And he came from hockey originally. Mm-hmm. Felisco, former, uh, essentially beat writer from the, you know, professional board writers. Then, uh, and, but play, like there's no play many... handbacks a, a fringe washington capitals yeah, fan <laughs> right and then and then our friend uh jake keeney remember jake they're mm-hmm. from southbound we met them uh jake is a capitals fan too i think isn't he mm-hmm. yeah but anyways not a lot of americans that i know that are hockey fans not many people that i know enough to go to a game with but jade was like yeah man i'm a big abs fan and man he's got the craziest coolest man cave ever really? um he had a golden tea in his basement it was Oh man, it was what so much fun! Yeah, yeah, Golden Tea's the best in his basement. I wouldn't have left. I was supposed to stay there and play Golden it was Tea and drink great. beer all night. Yeah, we were drinking whiskey. I brought him some Crown, like some the fan, like nice Crown. Mm-hmm. There was I, I thought the Northern Northern Harvest would be the Canadian one, but the like Crown Royal Reserve, like the nicer edition of Crown, is the one that's actually Canadian. Looks like the other one said it was Connecticut. Okay. And I was like, what the hell is this about? But anyways. We're drinking some whiskey, playing golden tea. He's got like a whole wall dedicated to football. He's got a replica of the Lombardi trophy in it Damn. in his basement. He's got a whole wall of Denver Broncos stuff. He's got his own custom nameplate there. He's got like crazy baseball memorabilia. And then he has a, an entire stick from the cup winning avalanche all signed from when the abs won the cup in like 96. Oh, nice. Like one of those ones. Yeah, yeah. One of those years. They didn't they win it a couple times in there? Maybe two. Yeah, two they won it in that window. Yeah, they won a couple couple Don't of worry, short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh unreal though. So cool. So yeah, great game to get to. Then I went to the uh Colorado Rockies game the next day. Hadn't been in one of those. Really uh well, I've only been to like one baseball game. It was last year at during Wessa. And then I came back and went uh, to Kelowna for the weekend. And after the Stampede Tarp auction, too, actually, the canvas auction for the check wagon races. That's a hell of a week. Yeah, and then yeah, got back last night, went to another show with uh Corb. And Mel at I was a tribute uh 
show for Ian Tyson. Really mm-hmm. neat, neat uh, show to be at. I was pretty bagged by last night. Still a little tired out. Uh, and then this week we go to Grand Prairie, go see the folks from Keddies, and then work rodeo in Dawson Creek. The next week, Horse Expo. So April's a pretty full month, man. I even got to go. There's to lots going on. Week. Yeah, damn man. son. But get but yeah. That, last week, was how was your how was your Kelowna experience on the golf courses? Well, I got to talk about Thursday. You were here at the house. What do you think of oh. HQ since the first time you've been back? Well, that's my second here. time I've been back in the many weeks. We oh, did that's a sales right. trip as well. Yeah, but that's right. As I was saying that. before, it's definitely a, a kind of a 180 from what it was because I saw the I saw the basement of 4620 before you and renovated any of the bedrooms down there when you kind of had your like was it uh what did what did eric call the basement in sun peaks gen pop your gen pop your gen pop basement the kind of like the hostel gen pop how much people live in a bunch of riffraff living down there so i've seen it from the beginning to see what it is now is pretty impressive so pat on the back to you ted for making it happen you're on your way to having a pretty sweet little man cave down there too it's yeah, I guess it's pretty sweet, eh? The, it's not as much yeah. space as some folks, but no, it's pretty solid. But there's an opportunity for you to put some of the cool stuff you have, like your Chris Russell jersey and true, all the other fun stuff you have. So it's true. I, I wonder it's a completely different that. place now. So if you're going nice. to be a visitor at 4620 anytime soon, you're in for a treat. That'd be nice. <laughs> Come see us. Um, yeah, it was good. So yeah, it was good. Kelowna was awesome. Got to golf a couple good, uh, good courses. Uh, Tower Ranch, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. have you played there yet no i haven't on, on my list yeah go do it that did was you just play predator ridge too yeah friday how was it it was awesome nice yeah it was, i'm playing uh, there on thursday oh you are right mm-hmm. on yeah you'll like it it's it's a sweet spot man really sweet, sweet dude spot. it was it was neat the uh the what would you call it uh the so tower ranch was the elevation changes were pretty solid and it was cut kind of on the side of a hill uh, kind of a Western-ish feel to it. The logo is really sweet. It's like a cowboy on a horse with their nice. TR in it. I thought that was cool, so I bought a golf towel because I thought it was so nice. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a sweet spot. And then uh, what else? Um, but yeah, Predator was awesome, and I also played the best. I shot like an eighty-seven at Tower, so I was pretty happy. Damn, son, that was pretty my best round of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty reasonable. And then yeah, Predator was pretty sweet too. Uh, played the ridge course there. Really cool terrain. Uh, lots up and down. Um, what would I say? Uh, the greens though, they fucking aerated the greens and we had an hour and a half to frost delay. So that was a little less good. Mm-hmm. I think I still shot an 89 or something was reasonable. Damn, not so bad. Then yesterday we played at the bear course at the Okanagan golf club right across from the airport. So it's dro- mm-hmm. they dropped me off after. And then, uh, and then I flew back last night and made the thing with Corb. Uh, hmm. but, uh, and how was that deal? yesterday? I almost birdied the first hole. I shot one within like three feet and then fucking missed the birdie putt. Damn son. That's disappointing. I still got a par though, at least. Yeah, correct. <laughs> how, well, and how was the thing with, with, with Corbin? I know he was talking about it last night when we saw him briefly that it's his tribute to and Tyson had some of his bandmates there singing some songs and would have been a cool deal. Yeah, it was, it was neat. Um, and I'd never really said anything at the time, but it was kind of, uh, I got a little bit like a little bit uh, emotional on the one point. Like I was almost crying a little bit knowing that like Ian's gone. He's such a huge part of Canadian music history mm-hmm. essentially and was a pretty major part of things. And, you know, I hope that people, uh, I hope that people 
know and remember him mm-hmm. for some of the stuff that he did, right? Some of the well, cartoons over the years. When you mentioned it, when the Junos were on, they didn't even do anything for him yeah. at the Junos, which is kind of a shitty deal. So it's nice that the people in the Calgary community are like keeping his legacy going and mm-hmm. and doing stuff like that. Because yeah, he was a very impactful person in the Canadian country music scene. Just ask guys like and Corbin and Coulter wait- and them. They know. Way bigger of a deal than people realize too. Like he wrote songs mm-hmm. for like Neil Young and Johnny Cash and like some pretty major players in the business. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, I was glad to end up there. Kind of heard about it a little bit last minute, um, but great to, great to be there. Spend some time with with a friend Corb and uh, and yeah, yeah. So so yeah, this next week though, Wasey got Dawson Creek. The Pro Rodeo Canada mm-hmm. season just started off. Medicine Hat and going to Dawson and then. Uh, Next week at the Horse Expo, we'll be there on Friday. You're gonna to go to up to North Battleford too, so mm-hmm. uh, be good to get Saskatchewan back, coming back in hat, coming in hat. Here we go. Yeah, it's Let's it's yeah, this it's officially happening. The busy season's here, so it's gonna be a good it summer. Is. It is. And uh, Wacy, we'll talk about the NHL playoffs starting here soon. We got one more topic to talk about after that. But uh, the where do people go for Horse Expo tickets? I uh, just head to horseexpo.ca. There's a ticket page there. You can find them. Um, I know that at one point their VIP tickets were very close to being sold out, so it nice. might be only at a, a spot where they can get v, where you can get like day tickets. So mm-hmm. do not hesitate if you're check wanting to go to the horse expo and haven't bought tickets yet. So check it out. Once again, it's in, once again, it's in Red Deer, Alberta, Westerner Park, April 28th to 30th. Uh, friend Jill Barron from a few shows back will be part of that, as well as Jason Irwin, uh, Dustin Sapola. No, sorry, yeah, Dustin Sapola and Extreme Wiley. Yeah, it's gonna be a heck of a uh, heck of a show. So we'll see you there. Mm-hmm. But this show, thanks to Nick Tets for joining us. Uh, enjoy the show with the 2022 PBR Canada Champion. We'll be back after this. We're heading to the Horse Expo in Red Deer from April 28th to 30th, and we have a special promo code to get you there. Visit horseexpo.ca and enter promo code CS20 to save $20 off of your Horse Expo tickets. Watch the trainer showdown at the Cowboy Shit Round Pen. Check out the clinics, presentation lounges, and so much more. Plus, we're even hosting a live podcast from there, so come on by and say hi. Visit horseexpo.ca for details, and don't forget promo code CS20 for $20 off. Our next guest is the reigning PBR Canadian Championship and is currently in the hunt to make his first PBR World Finals coming up here in May. Welcome to the Cowboy Shit Podcast, Nick Tets. Nick, how are you doing today, pal? Man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Been listening for a long time and I'm looking pretty forward to this. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> so you're hanging out, hanging out in Vegas right now. You're like, like I mentioned, you're kind of in the hunt for making your first PBR world finals. Talk a bit about what you've been up to the last few weeks and what brings you to Vegas. Yeah. So my, uh, my dad has a buddy that's got a place down here. So just kind of works out. I could get, uh, it was closer than driving to Texas and going, staying with Griffin or, you know, a couple of the other boys from down there, but, um, just kind of gets me down here and I'm just paying for domestic flights really at this point. So it's not too bad. And, um, we're staying busy enough to where we don't really need to be getting on the practice bowl. So, you know, uh, 
it's not like I need to be around that all the time, but you know, it's kind of nice to get away from the boy riding at some point too. Yeah. Soak up the sun, play some golf and good way to kind of reset <laughs> from event to event. Yeah. I kind of get, kind of get back here and like, I'll, I'll rewatch the, I'll watch the event when I get back home and do that. And then, uh, yeah. And then just kind of start, you know, going, there's lots of really good gyms down here too, with, uh, to be able to go and, you know, keep doing that and staying after it. And, and then, uh, you know, and then you can kind of reset and go play some golf or, um, you know, hang out, go down to the strip or something, even though I've only, I think I've been down here for like three or four weeks now and I've only been there once. And that was because my sister flew down and wanted to see Vegas. And I was like, well, I guess we got to go to the strip. <laughs> so one of the things with people that end up down there, like in the U S traveling, you're down that way because it saves you probably $1,500 a weekend by not having to travel out of Calgary and Calgary's got a lot of direct yeah. flights, but you got to like go into I guess Minneapolis wouldn't have been as bad, but that's been that, but you were in Milwaukee. Like I don't even know a good way to get to Milwaukee, New Orleans, Albuquerque, Sioux Falls are all at least one or two connections. You're a thousand, two thousand a weekend. You don't have enough time ahead of time to know to book. So you're in Vegas instead, yeah. but now you're probably by yourself. And it's probably like I don't know, for me, it'd probably wear on me a bit to be by myself that long and have to, you know, rely on people to come by or your, you know, your partner come down like what what's that been like? What's what's it been like the last little while here? How long have you been there? Yeah, so I think I've been down for like three to four weeks now. I've been down. I came down right after right after Milwaukee, right before New Orleans. Um, so it'd be about three weeks now that I've been down here. But even before then, the way that I was flying, that I figured out the cheapest way to fly was I'd book a flight out of Edmonton on Swoop or Flare or whatever. And it would be like $200 and then, um, and I'd book a flight directly to Vegas and then I would book another flight from Vegas to wherever I had to go. And it came out to be, you know, I was like six or $700 and, uh, instead of like 15 to 2000 to get to that place. So it, that was kind of how I was doing it before. So now just being down here, it just takes out that other flight now. So, um, but it's, it's not too bad. We got, we got a lot of mom and dad have a lot of, uh, friends and stuff that, uh, have company that have some companies down here and they have another, they have a place down here too. So, you know, for Easter, you know, I went over there for Easter brunch and, and, you know, just hung out with them and watched the masters and whatnot. So, you know, I'm not completely alone, but, uh, you know, it'd be nice to definitely be nice to have Maddie down here, but, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's got her horses and everything like that, that she has to take care of back home. So, yeah. So it's not easy and it's definitely like a, it's a trade-off. You can live normally at home or, and be around your friends and family and your girlfriend, but then you got to go when you're down that way, it saves you quite a bit of money. So you're making, you know, cause you're, you've won, well, you won 15,000 about three weeks there between Lethbridge and new Orleans, uh, 12th place finish in Albuquerque only made 700 bucks. That's a little tough uh, for what it costs you to get there. And you're riding the rank bulls all the time, but I mean, had a pretty solid start to the season, but I mean, you spend 2000 a week on flights. You're not making no money. Yeah. Like going down to the velocities there for, for the first little bit, it was, it was kind of getting tough actually. And, uh, you know, both, uh, I was rooming with Griffin at the time and we were both kind of going through a bit of a, a tough time. We were both, going through the same thing too um uh 
you know, I was I was coming off of, you know, being the the Canadian champion and, and going down there and trying to represent. Uh, you know, I wanted I felt like I was representing all of the boys from Canada and, you know, I wanted to show that, you know, we ride we ride good and everything like that and put a little bit too much pressure on myself. And Griffin was kind of going through the same thing in the sense where he was going through, you know, he was the season leader for the velocities last year and you know, at the first couple of events, you know, we both didn't really do any good and, you know, and then you get, you know, the money, the credit card bill starts racking up on top of that. And, you know, money starts going out pretty quick and you're not really recuperating it. Um, But that's just, that's just something that you got to deal with when you're doing this for a living. So you can't really be too concerned about it. You just got to not really worry about the financial aspect of it and just go out and just worry about riding bulls and having fun and the other side of it is you're competing against the best in the world it's not as not as you know i'm not saying it's easier to win in canada but it's not as easy to win down down that way you know like you go to portland denver reno palm Springs, cedar park and looks like you won a thousand and eighty dollars throughout those like five or six events over six over a six week span got red deer in there you gotta come home for but like yeah that's that's tough on a guy and then so like so what what changed going into Lethbridge and then coming out of there, going to Milwaukee, New Orleans to have that, that kind of big stretch to win 15,000 kind of in that, that span. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably the the biggest thing that kind of changed there was, well, one Lethbridge has always, has always been some somewhere that I've always done good. I feel comfortable there. Um, especially coming down from or coming back up from the States and everything like that. The bulls down here are, they're different um in the sense like they're they got a little bit more you know they got a bit more tricks to them they they kind of got a little bit more of a step ahead or uh you know they're a little bit faster but they they don't have the power that our bulls have back home so that was kind of the biggest thing and then once i kind of realized that i was i was actually at reno and i was talking to uh lj jenkins we were out at the bar having a couple of drinks at with him and and a couple of other guys and I was just kind of picking his brain and he said that he always really liked getting on those really little bulls because there's no power to them. They're just fast for the most part. And as soon as I kind of changed my thinking about little bulls like that, because, you know, back home you get on a little bull and you're kind of pissed off about it. But, you know, as soon as I kind of changed my thinking as to, you know, little bulls, well, this is, this is a good one. Like he has no power. So, you know, there really all you got to do is just, kind of hunker down and just track them and and everything like that and then that's kind of when everything kind of clicked for me and for this year and then you know and then getting into the to the utbs it's just the locker room is completely different um the locker rooms are similar to the locker room in canada is to it's comfortable everybody's friends um everybody wants everybody to do good the velocities i would say the velocities are I would say are harder almost than, you know, being on the UTV or being back home in Canada, just because the there's, there's uh 10 guys there that can, can win the event. And then there's 10 guys there that will ride one, but they're always going to be a velocity guy. They'll never really take that next step. They're just not committed to it. And then you have 10 guys who, really shouldn't even be there um which is through no fault of their own you know but 
that's just kind of that's one thing that I noticed coming down here is is you'll have guys back home and they're like, no, I'm not ready for PBRs yet. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then, you know, and then they'll come and you know they're definitely ready, but you have some people there who don't know how to hang their bow rope or set their bow rope, and they don't know how. Some guys have don't know how to take their wrap even at some point. like. It's kind of crazy to think that you're at the second level, second highest level of bull riding, and you got guys like that at, at those events. But, um, you know, and then you get into the UTB, and it's like you're where you want to be. You're around all the guys you want to be. You're around all the guys who all they do is ride bulls for a living. They don't, they don't have, you know, another nine to five that they come back home for, and and go and, and do during during the week kind of thing too so you know they kind of got to make it happen when they're at the bull riding so I think in that sense for for me I've only ever had one job and it was during COVID because I was going so broke and uh I think that's that's what kind of helps me down there and it makes it a little bit easier is just the the locker room everybody's just wants everyone to do good and everybody's everybody's buddies it doesn't matter who you're with or who you are Ahead, what was your job during COVID? What did you have to do? Uh, I was working at Arctic Spas in Breton. Um, really? Random? Building hot tubs. Yeah, I was uh, um, doing uh, fiberglass. So oh, I was really? rolling fiberglass. So I sat there and rolled fiberglass for, I think I did that for four months. And then uh, Nansen was putting on little jackpots at his house. Um that were like kind of, you know, secret time or whatever. But, um, I was going to those and it was a hundred dollar entry fees and whatever. And I think in three or four weeks going to just those little jackpots and ants was putting on, I've made more money going to those than I did for the last month of work. And I was like, why am I still doing this? Like I'm making more money just going to <laughs> little jackpots that have no money added than I would be if I was working all the time. And, then we kind of the rodeo season kind of kicked off and it was it was hard to actually once you get that security of making money you don't want to lose it so it actually is kind of scary coming back but at the same time too it's a same story that everybody says like you hear jb talk about it all the time if you want to ride bulls good go work and you know and then you realize like i don't want to work anymore and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know this riding bulls gig is pretty good Compared to having a real job, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Nick, Nick, when you first arrived on the the UTV tour, were, were you intimidated at all walking the locker for the first time at your first event? Like, obviously, you've had a lot of success in Canada, but as you mentioned, it's a whole another level once you get down to those events. Yeah. So, my first event was actually at uh, Minneapolis uh, in December. So, um, we had our finals, and then. I think we got a weekend off. Yeah, they got a weekend off, and then the UTB season started off, and they started off in Tucson. But you and went to Australia Brock, before then, didn't you? Yeah, and so me and Brock, we we were being the Canadian reps and going over to Australia to their finals. And so Jack called me for Tucson, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to cancel on on JD and and you know I." forget what the flight was i think the flight was like forty nine hundred dollars or something over there so i was like i'm not gonna buy that or they bought they did who bought the flight no the pbr bought it oh pbr bought it expensive 
Oh yeah, but I got a better story about that. I can I can get into, but um, okay, please. So then, uh, yeah. So I'll keep I'll keep going with it. So then uh, we went to so we went to Australia, and then um, the second round I got wrecked out pretty bad and was pretty sore. So I got on the second day, and I just didn't feel like it. Didn't feel good. I couldn't really move the way I wanted to. So I turned out of the the last two rounds and whatever, and then they called me again for whatever uh, I think it was St. Louis was a weekend after Tucson. So then I turned that down again. So then I had turned down two invites in a row and I'm still sore. And so then Jack calls me again and he calls me for Minneapolis. And I I remember I was like, man, I'm probably going to get the call. I'm like, I got to go. I was like, I can't turn this opportunity down three times in a row. So I went to Minneapolis and, that was really cool um and it was nice because i i got there i had to get there really early because i had to do the concussion testing for for that tour so i got there i think they had me there like three or four hours before the bull riding started so i just dropped my bag off in the in the locker room went and did my concussion testing and i came back and i had dalen on the one side of me, which was nice. Cause I know Dalen cause he's, he's come up to Canada so much. So that was really nice. And then on the other side of me, I had Cooper Davis. So I had two world champions that put their bags right next to mine and I was sandwiched in the middle of them. And so, and I didn't feel out of place in the locker room at all. It felt like that's where I was supposed to be. And, you know, I just, I was just kind of banged up from Australia and, I didn't as bad as it sounds I didn't want to be there at that time just because we had we had such a busy schedule in Canada that at that point I just wanted to take a month off and just rest recuperate take a week off did not have to really do any workouts or anything like that just just kind of chill and uh you know so I think that was part of the reason as to why Minneapolis didn't go bad, but getting back to the Australia, Teddy. Um, so I'm banged up and sore and can barely, I couldn't sit in a chair for very long. I got my back stepped on and put a couple of ribs out and I had a giant, giant welt on my forehead from getting whipped down. And, uh, I was looking at it when I went to go check into my flight and, uh, the first class tickets to upgrade to first class was like $2,200 or something like that. And I looked and saw how much I made at the finals. Cause I won the first round and then I placed in the average still for only riding one. And, uh, I had made like 2,400 and I was like, I'm spending it all on the first class ticket and I'm just going <laughs> to sleep the entire flight on the way home. I'm not, I don't even care at this point. I'm like, and I also had, made a bunch of money at the PBR Canada final. So I wasn't super concerned about it, but I was like, I have to make a little bit of money here and at least, at least to cover that before. So <laughs> it worked out, but yeah. Did you make, so did you make was, your money on the drinks getting the upgrade? Yeah, no, actually I slept. I slept most of the time. Like I think they, they woke me up to feed me and that was about it. Other than that, I slept pretty much the whole way. Like I, I was, uh, when we got off off at Vancouver for that flight, the flight attendant asked me, 
good flight? And I said, yeah, it was excellent. Like, not not too bad at all. And he's like, yeah, he slept a lot. And I was like, good, because I needed it. <laughs> Didn't you guys but, see my parents at the airport in Vancouver? I remember Roxy saw my mom and dad there at one point. Yeah, yeah, I think we did, yeah. <laughs> I think we did. That's random. Yeah, I remember, I remember, yeah. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, I do actually remember that. Yeah, because I get I got a text. My parents are on the way home from Vegas. There's an NFR visiting. And then I get a text. They saw Brock. You and Brock at the airport. So it's yeah. small, small world. That's funny. Yeah, you almost always are going to run into somebody, it seems like. Yeah. It's, it's a small world, but you always but you fall. You always run into somebody. Oh, man. It was, it, well, I remember we went to Arizona in October and ended up being like three or four people who like we knew or knew through somebody just on the same flight, just coming out of Calgary. Like, it's crazy how yeah. an airport that big, you can run into that, that many people, you know. Yeah, well, that was like uh, after Albuquerque, I uh, I drove back over to Stephenville with Griffin because that's where he's been staying at. Um, so then when we went up to Sioux Falls, we uh, all all the boys were all on the same flight out of Dallas, and so there's most of the flight was all cowboy hats. You had you had some judge, you had some judges, you had you know some people who worked for the PBR, and then you had most of the bull riders that were from the texas area we were all on that flight none of us were sitting next to each other but that's probably for the better for the poor flight crew probably yeah (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a bad nick i want to go back to the beginning of your career i know you kind of had a different path than most guys to get to where you're at the growing up you're right from right in calgary and we're talking kind of being your multi-sport athlete so talking about like how you got your start and and how does let's led you to where you are today yeah, so um yeah, like I grew up right in Calgary and like I have a lot of people like a lot of people ask me like all the time, they're like, Where where like where in Calgary? And the easiest way for me to explain to all my buddies where I I live is I'm like, you know where Ranfrens is? Because most of them always know where Ranfrens <laughs> is. And they're like, Yeah, I'm like I'm a five dollar cab ride from there. <laughs> like I'm right right there. And uh so yeah, like I grew up playing uh playing hockey and I played you know I played triple a and and stuff like that from when I was 14 like as soon as you kind of got into the bantam age group which I don't know what that is now since they changed it to the U's and all that but and then yeah play like play baseball in the summer and stuff like that and then um the one year my dad uh my dad came and asked me uh if I wanted to go out to uh Ashbacker ranch because we're really good friends with um the ashbackers and like uh Dwayne and judy are actually uh my godparents too so um so the one day dad came home from work and said like oh you know do you want to go and spend a couple of weeks out at Dwayne's?" and so i said yeah sure so i went out there and that's when i think i was 11 or 12 at that time and so then you know, that's when I learned how to drive too. Cause that's when you got to learn how to drive out there. And I think, I think his other two kids, I think they were uh, kind of busy doing other stuff and Cole was kind of starting to rodeo too. So he kind of needed a help, a hand down there. So uh, yeah, so I went out there for, for two weeks and then dad came to pick me up and he said, uh, Nick, you want to get on a steer? And when it came time to say it, I was, I was actually, didn't want to but I was too scared to say no to my dad so (laughs) I just said yeah and uh Dwayne 
Dwayne's always was a really good teacher for the steer riding and everything like that. And, you know, being, being, uh, you know, an, an athlete or, you know, somebody who's always played sports. I was one of the things all, all my coaches always said about me was that I was really coachable. I, I picked up on things quickly. And, uh, I think that kind of helped with my later start into the steer riding. And yeah, I got on my first steer and it was kind of like everything just kind of clicked. Like I sat up, I stuck my chest out, I turned my toes out, everything like that, you know, like I wasn't the best, but I was better than a lot of people who were starting who went when they get on their first one, you know, I, I did every, I did the basics better than most people would do on their first one. And so, yeah, so I got on that one and then, you know, that kind of got the, kind of got the itch and, uh, and then from there it was just kind of every summer I'd get on a couple more every now and then. And I entered, I think I was 13. I entered the Arrowwood rodeo as a, as a local. And then the year after that, um, was my last year of steer riding um and come that point i was leading the cpra and in the boys steer riding at that point i was kind of after pinocchio and all the big ones and uh you know so i owe a lot to to the ashbacker family and you know last year i was going through a really tough time i was having trouble bucking off bulls and it was during um uh, bull busting actually and uh i uh was going to go out to Dwayne's and go get on practice bulls on the Thursday morning and then come back and come get on at the bull riding that night. And I called Dwayne and we had probably, we probably sat there and talked for about an hour and kind of got some stuff figured out. And then I went out the next day and rode both my bulls and finished, finished second. And then, uh, went out the next day and then I ended up winning the last day of bull busting and, and, uh, you know, it's just, he just knows what to say. He's been through it all and everything like that. And he knows, knows how to coach, coach, uh, young kids and everything like that. And yeah, he's a, they're a great family and I, I couldn't do enough to thank them for what they've done for me. So two quick questions here. What did you get figured out and what is your family's connection to the Ashbackers? Um, so basically like I was just kind of struggling and I just wanted to get on practice bulls and we kind of sat there and we kind of talked and he just kind of told me, he's like, I don't know why you want to get on practice bulls right now. Like you're at the busiest time of the year. Like he said, it doesn't really make sense to do it, but if that's what you want to do, if that's what you think is going to trick your mind to do. But he said, do you know what you got tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I got this little gray bull of Jim Thompson's. And he's like, have you seen him before? I said, yeah, I've been on him at, at the practice camp. And he's like, okay, well, it's a practice bull then. Like, you've been on him in the practice pen. You've been on him at gyms. So why do you want to come get on bulls here? And I was just like, well, okay. And then, you know, uh, that one went good. And, and also, too, another another big help at that point uh, last year was uh, Aaron Roy. He came up. I was getting beat out of the shoot bat on everything. And, Aaron came up and we kind of changed a little bit and in the shoot instead of I used to always just nod from the flank and jump them and Aaron came up and told me he said quit doing that because it's getting you beat out because the gate guys aren't aren't quick enough here so 
um, yeah, kind of between those two and, and, you know, just kind of listening to Dwayne kind of more or less just boost my confidence and, and everything like that, because he's, some, I know he's someone who he's never, he's never going to tell you you're good just to help boost your confidence. If he, if he's going to say something, he means it. And, you know, sometimes you call your mom or call your dad or something or your girlfriend, they tell you, <laughs> but you're like, well, you have to. <laughs> you know he doesn't he he didn't have to say any of that stuff he said it and and you know I knew he meant it and I and I really respect what he has to say and when he you know when he talks you know I, I always listen and and everything like that so um yeah and then uh the relation to the Ashbackers so I think my mom I think my mom actually used to go out with Dwayne a long time ago um, I'm not sure to the extent or every or anything like that, but I know that I think mom worked at a physio clinic or something like that. And, and that's how they met. I'm not sure how they met. No, mom was working at the stampede. She was working at Calgary. She was one of the volunteers at stampede and Dwayne always, if you ever met Dwayne, Dwayne loves to just sit and visit all the time. You know, if you're, if you're ever bored driving, just give him a call. Cause you can sit there and you can talk for hours on hours on hours with them. And, and, uh, so, you know, he just kind of started striking up a conversation with them. And then I think him and mom went on a couple of dates or something like that. And, you know, things didn't work out or something like that, but they always stayed really close friends. And then, um, you know, my dad, he, he kind of grew up doing the same thing. That's kind of part of the reason why he wanted me to go out to Ashbackers was because of, um he used to do the same thing with his his uncle so you know he'd go out during the summers and go spend the summer at his uncle's ranch or farm and and stuff like that and so then you know after that and you know he he liked going out there and he still goes out there all the time to go help him because now they got a feedlot so dad will go out there and he'll help him sort through cows and and uh you know when they got a rodeo on or something like that if Austin or, or Cody or, or somebody can't help Dwayne with the, the rodeo. Um, you know, dad will drive out there and drive a trailer or something like that for him and come down there. And then dad will, you know, dad will jump in the back and sort through bulls or horses or whatever and load them and put flanks on them for Dwayne. So all he has to do is just makes his job easier. And, and dad likes doing that kind of stuff too. So what do your parents do for a living, out. Nick? So my, well, so my mom, it was just a stay at home mom for most of our life. I think she was for, for all of our lives. And then, uh, my dad did something with life insurance. We, we don't know for <laughs> sure. We think, we think maybe he was in the mafia, but, um, it's, uh, I, I was playing, uh, I got, I got an invite last year to do, a golf tournament for the extraordinaires um in calgary and i actually met a guy who used to work with my dad at the very beginning when my dad first started and what he does now and i remember him telling me what he does and i might have had a couple of drinks at that time so i didn't fully remember and so it's something to do with wholesaling and life insurance and, and something like that. So I'm not too sure that the company that he worked for was or works for is uh, 
PPI solutions and they got a couple of offices across Canada and stuff like that. But yeah, he, that's what he did. So I don't know. He was a salesman. So he did something with sales and yeah, I think I, if, if I had to say for sure what it was, I would probably say it was like the, his company came up with like the policies and stuff like that for the life insurance companies that you actually bought through. So like Manulife and Desjardins and stuff like that. That's kind of what I think. And like RBC, like life insurance, stuff like that. Like he did work with them. So yeah, didn't, didn't come from the normal Western way of life. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure, not sure if you caught our interview with, with Cole, but, um, back when I was a young lad, we spent some time around grandpa, uh, Cole's grandpa's place. And there's always some wild stories from there. Like I, my dad has endless amounts of stories. So I want to know yeah. if you have any funny stories from hanging out at the Ashback Ranch in Arrowwood and if you were, you and or Cole got into any crazy shenanigans while you spent some time there. No, not really. I, I remember like, we always went out there as we were kids, like we'd go out and Cause they would always put on the Arrowwood rodeo. So we would always go out for the Arrowwood rodeo every, every year. Like, it, you know, we'd do the pony race and mom and dad would sponsor the the pony race and give, you know, whatever it was, a loony or, or five bucks or whatever to the kids. And, but we would always, we'd always go out there. It always seemed like every summer for just a weekend. And, uh, and we just take the trailer out and stay in their yard and hang out. And um, I remember the one time we were, we were on the trampoline and, you know, like all kids we were on the trampoline and bucking, pretending one of us is a bull, one of us is a rider. And they always took it kind of easy on me. But then when uh, Cole and his older brother, Austin, when they would go, it was every man for himself. And <laughs> I don't know what happened. Somebody wrecked somebody out. And I just remember them kind of going down on the ground and falling off the trampoline and rolling kind of down the hill into the ditch and, I I think they're like the older sister. I think Randy came out and broke it up or I think finally they just got tired and ran out of breath and, and, and something like that. But yeah, like I don't really have too many wild stories from, from Cole. He, he always was pretty level-headed, but he's level-headed until he's not. And then it's like, okay, you better watch out. But I think he kind of grew out of that now. So I don't think he's too, he'd ever get too into it, but. And then what? his older brother, Austin, is just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Shit happens kind of thing. Well, you mentioned earlier that when your dad first asked you if you wanted to ride a steer, you were too scared to tell him no. So what was the aftermath of that? Like, did you get on a few and were like, damn, this is something I want to pursue? Or was it you kind of still have that little bit of fear in the back of your mind? No, I always have that little bit of fear. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I went and, and got on that first one and then, I think uh, I think after that first one, I went to one or two little rodeos that Dwayne put on. I think I might have went to like a couple of net night rodeos. Um, just getting on those beef cows and stuff, and then uh, the next year I went to five or six Chinook rodeos and. You know, the, and we all, we only ever went to, to Ashbacker rodeos because they'd rigged the draw for me. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but they put, you know, and, and he would always like, uh, the writing on stone was always a big one that they would do. And it was a really cool rodeo that, that you could get to go to. And, uh, we, uh, 
they would always have it was a busy rodeo weekend for for amateur rodeoing and uh there was always nobody would enter the sunday but everybody would enter the monday so there was like five kids up on the sunday and there was 10 or 11 up on the sunday or on the monday so i entered the sunday got the sunday so then they're kind of looking and they're trying to figure out what cows are going to put in the draw and so then they throw in four runners or really nice ones, like nothing that's going to really hurt me. And then they put in one good one just so it didn't look obvious. And they just kept their fingers crossed that that's not the one that I got. And <laughs> it, it worked out. and But I remember that at that rodeo I got on this cow. And at that time, I didn't know how to – I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to hang my bull rope. I didn't even know how to tie it on the fence. Like Cole – Cole taught everything, like didn't know how to do anything. And uh, looking back on it, I'm sure there's probably a couple kids like, oh my God, this kid's going to die. And Which if I was one of those kids, I probably would have thought the same thing. And I remember sitting there and Cole had hung my bull rope for me and it was all set and everything like that. And I remember sitting there and I was both, I was probably about this close to asking him like, Cole, am I going to die? <laughs> just like I was just so nervous. I was like, yeah, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm like, yeah. And this thing just kind of scoops out and just lo high lopes across the pen and in air er, and riding on stone and stayed on. And I think I got my first check. I got it. Mom's got it framed somewhere. It's my first check. It was for like $68. And then she's got a picture of me riding and it's this thing. It, it this thing couldn't jump over a pop can if you put it out in front, like <laughs> it'd trip and fall over it. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was, and then kind of after that is I kind of started to get a little bit more of that kind of dog in me and, you know, you kind of don't really care. And that was kind of when I started, started to get to be around the other steer riders that were my age and hang around them and, and kind of get a little bit more accepted by them, I guess. Well then, at what point did you want? To, did you decide you wanted to pursue like bull riding and rodeo and take and make it a full time gig? What you're doing now? Um, I would say so. So the year I was 14, and and uh, we went and and did pro rodeo and in in the steer riding. Um, I'd say it was kind of during that summer is kind of when I realized that that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um. And then, um, you know, throughout that winter, um, I, I was, I, I got held back, I got held back in age group in, in school cause of my late birthday. And so, um, I was playing, uh, I was playing minor midget in for hockey. And so it was actually when we were uh, in at the CFR for the steer riding, and this was when it was still in Rexall, my hockey team was in, in Edmonton that weekend for, for two games that we had. And uh, I remember the Sunday I'd go and play this game at one o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And I was telling mom and dad, I'm like, this is the last year I'm, I'm done playing Royals. I don't want to play hockey anymore. I'm over it. Like, um, you know, I don't like hockey anymore. I just want to, I just want to rodeo and mom and dad are like, okay, well you got to finish up the season. Like you can't, you can't quit. We don't, we don't raise quitters. So you got to finish the season out, whether you like it or not. And so I kind of finished the season out and 
we ended up having I ended up having not a bad time for the rest of the year as soon as that rodeo kind of got done. <laughs> I got my mind off of it, but I always woke up in the morning craving rodeo more than hockey and you know that was kind of something that I always realized is during hockey season I always thought about bull riding but during bull riding I had never really thought about hockey unless people would bring it up and so after that that was kind of that was kind of the tipping point I think is when I was 14 15 but I also went to I went to a private school for for hockey and so I was on the ice three days a week at school and then I was also on the ice six days a week for Royals. So, you know, nine times a, a week I was on, I'm on the ice and, you know, I think any kid besides, you know, the kids who just crave it that much, but yeah, I just kind of got a little bit hockeyed out and just, uh, just kind of the bull bug never really went away, but the hockey one kind of did. So well, with and- the hockey side of things, I got something here quick ways. Just, uh, Talk about, I just got to talk about some of the like major hockey guys you played against. And, uh, like I was looking at something, I don't know if you're in the same league as like Peyton Krebs or what was the story there, but there was some like yeah. decent hockey guys you must've played against and you got a couple of pretty decent seasons there. Got a few, uh, points as a, as a D man. You shoot right away. Yeah, I, was, uh, I don't know much about it. Yeah, I was, uh, I was stay at home defenseman. That was tiny. So, <laughs> uh, but kind of like uh, the last couple of years, I started to get – I had a really good hockey coach for my last two years of midget. And, uh, you know, he kind of let me do a little bit more offense and stuff like that. But I never was one to be jumping up into the play or anything like that. But, yeah, I uh, – my last year midget, so I would have been 16, 17, um, was the year that Peyton Krebs was playing – his first year midget. So he was like 14, 15. And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, we were playing in the max midget, the one game as a semi, no quarterfinals. We were playing in the quarterfinals and we were playing the, the UFA bisons or whatever. And they were always good. Cause they had so much, like they took from so much area around Calgary. Like basically if you lived around Calgary, you got, that was the, that was where you went and played. And so they got to go from take from so many different places. And so they were always really good. And, uh, yeah, I remember we were playing and we, uh, the coach comes up to us and it's halfway through the first period. And this, and Peyton Krebs has danced around almost every single defenseman on our team. And our goalie was like playing amazing and keeping it tight for us. And so then he finally comes up and he's like, all right. He said, when Krebs is on the ice, you guys are on the ice. And then you're saying this to me and my defenseman uh, who was playing on – he was on the left side, I was on the right side. And he said, you guys are – you guys play against him. And I'm like, man, are you serious? Like this kid's been drafted – like this kid's drafted to the WHL. Like you think I'm going to stop him? He played for the Kootenai Ice later that year. Yeah. Because he got six games. Yeah, and was like – yeah, and and like I think he did pretty good. Like I think he got a couple of goals and like a couple of assists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, In six so, games. Yeah, right, here's here's Nick, and like I'm, I'm, I'm young, and I actually had uh, this was the last year of hockey, so I actually had a dislocated my shoulder four weeks before uh, tryout started too, 
at at a rodeo in Kyle. Um, so, but yeah, so here's Nick, and I'm I'm kind of fully aware at this point that this is my last year of hockey. But um, yeah, I was just like. I was sitting there, I'm like, man, this is going to be a cool story to be able to tell my kids. But <laughs> I'm like, at the same time, too, it wasn't very fun having to try to defend defend against him. And so I just, it was like, the, it was like the keep it soups or keep it simple, stupid mentality. Like, just keep him to the outside. Let him take shots. If he scores from the boards, like, who cares? Like, that's the goalie's fault. Just don't, don't let him put the puck in between your legs and fall down when he, de- when he skates around you. So. I think he might have danced around me once, but I didn't fall over, so at least I got that. But I think uh, I think we kept him pretty, pretty uh, even on the score sheet. He might have had a couple of points, but yeah, we ended up. I think we lost that game like two one or whatever to go. We were the only Calgary team that advanced to the to the uh, playoff round in the max that year, so that was kind of cool. But yeah. So is he? Is he the bet like the best guy you would have played against in that league? Is that? kind of like he's he's already got 170 games in in the nhl at this point yeah i think uh i think we also played uh that year too but they didn't they didn't play in the max but that year in the league i think we also played against uh kirby doc too oh yeah that's right i think i saw that i think uh i think he played for like fort saskatchewan or something like that one in that year or something like that because i remember somebody and then there's there's a handful of kids that that like uh you know, across the league that, you know, I'm pretty sure if you, there's one kid actually, I think his, no, there's one kid. I met him at Palm Springs. Actually. He was a, he was a year younger than me. Maybe he was two. And I met him in Palm Springs and Palm Springs is, uh, what farm team is in Palm Springs? The night Valley Firehawks or something like that. This, Coachella Valley. Coachella yeah. Valley Firehawks, shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the Seattle Crack their, their farm team plays out of Palm Springs. And so they got this nice, like the arena was packed, but it was a nice arena and everything like that. And um there's two kids there that were from Calgary that are playing on that team that they seen I was from Calgary. And the one kid I actually used two years younger than me and played Royals and everything like that. So that was kind of cool. I got to meet them and take a picture with them and everything. So that's kind of cool. And I'm like, man, you boys better make it to the NHL here. Cause I'm trying to make it to the NHL board. And then that would be cool. We got a couple <laughs> kids from Calgary. So, but uh, yeah, like a uh, bunch of kids who went, went on and played in like the dub and, and a bunch of kids play like div one. And um, I have one kid, one, uh, one kid that I played with, uh, he plays for UND and in, in North Dakota, like, you know, arguably the best, hockey school of all time kind of thing so that's kind of it's kind of cool when you look back on it and and think about who all you played against and um you know and and the boys that you played with and what what they're all up to now too i i guess two things that started off like being a being a calgary kid and kind of growing up in the city and whatever and did you ever come across connor hamilton and i kind of follow what he was doing like jump because he kind of has a similar like start like coming from a hockey family essentially yeah and moving into rodeo yeah. and having some pretty good success on like would he have been an inspiration to you or have you have you guys become buddies at all or um you know a little bit i'm not too sure what it 
from what I know, it seems like he's just kind of fly fishing right now. Yeah, he's he's like pretty hurt. Him. I think he was he had some trouble with his hips or something. And it's not rodeoing as much anymore. But he like he's yeah. Calgary and Mid CFR. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, he was he was cool. Same with the like Steemo too. He was from yeah, Calgary yeah. too. He's yeah. kind of same same as as Connor. But um, yeah, I actually met Connor um when he won the the novice at Calgary, and then it was like as soon as he won the novice at Calgary, he that was when he got the the calls from like the schools and stuff to go down south and go go play and then um i think like my rookie year or maybe in 2019 i got to know him a little bit better and then we actually kind of talked about that and and spent some time hanging out and talking about you know growing up in calgary playing hockey and everything and then i seen uh i think that was i think we talked about that in 2018 and then i think in 2019 was when he got to go to the stampede and actually compete in the normal bareback ride and not, not the novice. And, uh, you know, I was just like, man, that's gotta be so freaking sweet to be <laughs> able to go and do that. Like, I'm like, I can't, I'm hope I'm hoping that they're giving out, um, giving out, uh, spots for, for the PBR for PBR Canada this year. So, so I haven't got oh. my email yet, but I'm waiting, on, know, I'm waiting eh? on it from Calgary. So it's got, I don't know if they, if it would be that way anymore. Cause it kind of went all, onto the PRCA side of things for the most part, Calgary, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. But I know that they still give, like they still do the invites for the top four in the CPRA standings or whatnot. So, and then when you still get in there, Nick, that'd be a great story. It'd be good, good PR for them to have a Calgary guy too, but yeah. So do that or not, hopefully. I don't know. I was thinking maybe, well, last year I entered it. I was hoping I was like, God, ah, maybe they'll see you. Maybe they'll they'll let me in, and then they didn't. I, I wonder. Like, oh, darn, but oh well. Just make it. Just you just got to be so good that they just can't ignore you, and then they got in. <laughs> it's true. Kind of thing, you know, it's true. Oh, and the, the other thing I want to talk about, Nick, was we're kind of back to where you're getting your start and stuff, and moving on from the steer riding to the bull riding side of things. Did it take you long to find success, or did you kind of figure it out and and kind of move up the ladder? Because you. You had your rookie year in the CPRA pretty young too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I planned on, on amateur rodeoing another year. Um, and then I, uh, I'm good. I'm, like I'm really good friends with Ashton and the, and the Solly family and everything like that. Like Jeff and Andrea are basically they're They're like my rodeo parents. Um, but, uh, Ashton called me up. He had this bull and he's like, Hey, I remember I was at the gym and he called me and I'm like, Hey, what's up? He's like, man, will you come to olds tonight? And I'm like, why? He's like, I want somebody good to come and get on this bowl and see like if I actually turn back and like, he's been good, but the last couple of trips he hasn't turned back, but he's bucked everybody off at like one or two jumps. And so I get, I'm like, yeah, sure. So I come home and I tell dad, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to olds and dad's like, Oh, well, I'll come with you. And I'm like, okay. So we went there and then, I think Brock ended up getting on that ball there instead. And I got on two or three other ones. And Tanner Gerlitz was the, he was the bull riding director at that time. And he came up to me and he said, did you buy your permit? And I was like, no, I'm just going to amateur rodeo another year. And he's like, he's like, don't bother. Just buy your permit and, and go and do that. And I'm like, you think? And he's like, yeah, swear to God. He said, I told Cody Floyd this last year, but you know, you'll make the CFR. You just got to buy your permit, just buy your permit. And he's like, I guarantee you, you'll be at CFR next year or this, this winter. I was like, okay. And, uh, so then, uh, I think it was two or three weeks later, 
they had a college rodeo and olds. And so I just, I was entering it as like an open rider or whatever. You could do it for the rough stock events there. And so I go there and first thing Tanner says to me is, have you bought your permit yet? And I was like, no. And he's like, get on it and buy your permit. He said, you said, you, you want to get entered for red deer? And I was like, I don't know. Like I was still, I was still figuring it out. Like I wasn't that good of a rider yet. And whatever. And so then Brock was around there. He was hanging around that weekend, kind of just helping out, like, you know, being Brock. And uh, he's like, well, if you're going to buy your CPRA card, you might as well just buy your PBR card. Cause a lot of the times they're close enough to each other and it keeps your weekends filled. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. So then I bought, I get end up getting them all bought, and then yeah, and then I ended up making the making the CFR that year. And for a little bit there, I thought I was going to brief Tanner wrong and not make them, but we ended up making a good little push at the end to to solidify our spot there. And then uh, and then we ended up uh, winning the PBR Canada Rookie of the Year that year too. So that was that was cool too. So um, yeah, but um, that was kind of the start. But I don't I don't think. I think it took me longer than I would have liked to have figured it out. But I think so much of it came from riding two-handed. Um, And, like, I know, like, lots of people, like, Dakota's done really good with the two hands. And, you know, he might recommend it. But in my mind, riding two hands doesn't really build you to be a good bull rider. It builds you to be a good steer rider. And I think – if I were to ever have a kid that wanted to to do it, I would I'd kind of have a sit down talk with them and be like, all right, well, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a steer rider or do you want to be a bull rider? And and you know, if they're like, well, a bull rider, I'll be like, okay, well then, what we're doing is we're gonna buy a bunch of rope and steers, and you're just gonna get on these rope and steers, and you're gonna learn how to push and set your hips and everything like that, and, and ride a jump kick rather than, all right, okay, well you're gonna go and ride steers and with two hands down and you can just clamp down and really, you know, you can out muscle them more or less. And, and, you know, there's, there's a couple of kids that I've seen over the last couple of years, um, you know, now that I'm older and I can look at it and I can see them struggling from that with the going from riding two hands and being able to out muscle the cows and then, um, you know, and then getting to the bulls and you, you just can't, you just, you try to hunker down and really start lifting on that rope and leaning over the one way. And I just, I think it's good. I like, you know, when you're, when you're little, like if you're like 11, 12 and you're just kind of little, you know, I, I think it's fine. But I think as soon as, you know, you kind of realize like, I want to be a bull rider. I think moving to one hand is, is a better way to go. And you know, and not worrying about chasing titles in the steer riding because, you know, in my mind, uh, the steer riding title doesn't really mean that much to to bull riding. It's just, it's just something that it's cool to be able to accomplish it at a young age. And it's cool when you're 14 to be able to be a Canadian champion. But in my mind, it doesn't set you up that great for the rest of your career. I think the way that like, uh, now that I've kind of moved up to around Shea, um, Jesse Torkelson comes over to Shea's and he'll buck his rope and steers there. 
and his kids are doing it right. Like they, they ride better than me and they're like 12, 13. <laughs> like they know they got the basics down and everything like that. Like, like I, I just wish, I wish I would have almost had that instead of, you know, doing it the way that I did it. But at the time I, I was planning on being a bronc rider, not a bull rider, but <laughs> really that was your first intention. Yeah, when I actually got my first pair of shafts made when I was in the steer riding, I got them so that they were thicker so that I could uh, ride broncs. And then um, really, I started watching the novice bronc riding and watching those horses. And then you got terrified. <laughs> it looked terrifying. And, and I seen how much higher up you fell from when you did get bucked off. And I'm like, you know what? At least in the bull riding, if you get hung up, they're just stepping on your feet and your legs and then yeah. your hand comes out yeah. in the bronc ride. And if you're getting hung yeah. up, there's nothing you can do. You're just hoping that eventually your foot comes out. And yeah. So it was kind of, yeah. yeah, that was, that was a big, that was a big selling factor is to not be a bronc rider is I just didn't want to get oh, my head stepped on. Oh boy. That's uh that could be a lot different path, Nick, being a, <laughs> Being a bronc rider, but I mean, it's turned, it's turned out pretty well though. Like, I guess going back to, wait, do you have something else before I jump into this other one? Oh, you go ahead, man. I was going to say like last year, well, you talk about the chat you had with Dwayne Ashbacker, then you go and win, uh, well, you're second the one day, then win the event the next day. Then you kind of, you kind of, you got on a little bit of a tear because you go and, uh, win, win Snyder's event. Then you you know, go to picture Butte. It looks like, uh, didn't win any money there, but Kinsella, you win, uh, maybe don't stay on your, uh, re-entry bowl, Kelowna don't win no money, but then you win again in czar and then your third in manor. Then you go back and, you know, kind of August is only, or like you got Battleford and Stavely, only two events, uh, Bowden, but then you go and win the two events in Lethbridge sets you up for the fall run. Second in medicine hat, eighth in Saskatoon, going to the finals with the chance. I think you went in what, like fifth or something or where'd you go in at? Uh, I went in, I went in second, second. Okay. So go in second, but finished Dakota, fifth in the finals. Dakota overtook me in Saskatoon. I was leading mm. it going into Saskatoon. Yeah. And, okay. uh, that was, that was the first time. Well, it wasn't the first time, but it was the first time that I got on Langham kid when he had, when he got big, I got on him when he was a three year old at Tanner Burns house and I was 85 on him. And then that was when that was the first time I got on him when he was big. And uh, I was kind of, it seemed like I was beating myself around the corner on everything um, coming down the last little stretch there at medicine hat and, uh, and Saskatoon. Um, so going into the finals, I was just trying to be a little bit, I also had a terrible CFR. I fell off everything I've consistently, <laughs> Throughout my career, I've consistently gotten worse at CFR. Oh, no. My first year, I rode two. My second year, I rode one. And last year, I rode nothing. I got skunked at CFR. I didn't want to dime. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. Um, I think uh, the my, my first year, I, I started off with riding one. I was like 70-something points. The other thing, too, is there is, is it it's a little bit of a drawing contest too. Um, from what I've noticed, um, there, it, it seems like there's always two or three in each pen that like, you just want to draw around. 
And it's not necessarily you want to draw around them. It's just like those are the better ones in the pen or, or they're a little trickier. They got a trick to them. And it seemed like I drew those ones every round this past past time at CFR. And uh, and then my second year at CFR, which is 2021, I – so I got knocked out in um, Mar Wayne there real bad. And, uh, and then I ended up getting mono. Um, and so I had to sit out, I sat out for like seven weeks. I couldn't get on a bull, couldn't really, well, they, they started letting me work out, but that's cause I went to a different doctor and he's like, yeah, you're fine. Just don't get hit in the stomach. Um, cause your spleen will burst. I was like, okay. So then I, I sat out and I had to sit out for like seven weeks. And, uh, and at that time I was actually sitting first in Canada. It was right after the Glen Keeley. And, uh, so then I, I just sat there and just watched myself and it was at all those cups. And I remember the whole year saying like, you just want, like this year is just a matter of staying healthy. Cause they're just stacking events on top of us. I was like, if you can stay healthy and just consistently keep riding your bulls, you'll, you'll, you'll win. And that's kind of what I was doing. And then when you're coming into those cup events and I was feeling really good, I just won first and second at the Glen Keeley. Did not bad in Marwayne, but the my I double entered in my second short round bowl I got on knocked me cold out. And I was snoring. Uh Eno said he's like, Yeah, he knocked every single booger out of you because it was all over <laughs> your face. Like um, but that wasn't the same yeah, bowl so, that, that screwed up uh mouse, was it? No, no, that was this one uh, was Kubota tough, and that other one was uh, tested at Enos, which I've been to Enos. I, I'm really good friends with Tanner, and, and I like Darren, and everyone like and Lori's. A, she's another rodeo mom, um, and I've tried to convince Darren to run run tested in for me a couple times at the house, and he won't let me. And I'm like, man, he's just up and down. Like, let me do it. Like. <laughs> we're at a practice but i'm not going to try i like that that's the thing is like the the thing with most is most most try so damn hard every single time and i think that's kind of what a what kind of got him in that little bit of a bind there and you know could be a part part with the bull but you know at the same time the one thing that i've learned being around uh josh frost is managing your season and kind of realizing when you're at the point of no return and taking the easy way out and kind of living to ride another day kind of thing. But that was, that was the thing that everybody loved about mouse the most was how much that kid put, how much effort that kid put in all the time, no matter if he was going to be 65 or 95, he always, he always put in that effort. It was, uh, but he's still fun to be around and still, I get, I get Instagram DMS from him all the time. Him sending me funny videos and everything like that. He's a, <laughs> He's still one of my good friends. You you mentioned Josh Frost and managing your season. I got we got to talk a bit more about that. What's the what's the story there, and what's his theory? He's done very well the last uh, probably five or six years now. But what, what's the story there? Yeah, so I've uh, since uh, Cedar Park, I've actually got to spend quite a bit of time around Josh. Um, so, and you know, he's super nice, super friendly, really easy to talk to. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the one thing that I guess, I guess going to pro rodeos and stuff like that, you know, you kind of, you know, there's bulls you turn out that you just don't go get on. And then there's other times you'll be sitting there and 
you know, it's either you, you hang off the side of one for four seconds, you know, for four seconds and, and try to get the whistle and, and then get stomped on and wrecked out and everything like that. And the, the thing that he's kind of said is, you know, like you kind of know when you hit that point of no return where you're not getting back to the center and you know, when, you know, something's coming and he's like, you know, it's just kind of realizing that and knowing that there's still another bull you got to get on eventually. And a lot of the times it's not necessarily a matter of, you know, who rides the most bulls. It's who rides consistently enough and, and who can stay healthy throughout the entire season, you know? So that's kind of one thing too, that you kind of got to realize. And I don't know, like, I think at the same time, you know, there's, there's points where it's like, you know, you're not getting back to the middle on something. And then there's times when you're, you just got to grit your teeth and, and bear down. Do you think, do you think that might be why a guy like Josh Frost hasn't been a world champion though? He's made the NFR three times and he's won over a million dollars in, in the PRCA, but, but hasn't been a world champion. He won the NFR title too. Like he's done very well, but do you think something like that, like, I don't want to say it's checking out, but like kind of protecting yourself. Like, is that maybe one of the reasons why, or is it for him, has it just been riding against Stetson and Sage and just hasn't quite got that next step? Yeah. Or what do you think? No, it's just, it's just riding against Stetson and Sage. Sage, Sage is so damn consistent and he doesn't really mess up on anything too often. Um, so you can't really, the only way you're going to beat Sage is by riding like Stetson and I don't know how Stetson does half the things he does on the back of a bull. Like I was watching the American and he is playing strung out beat around and somehow he is able to move and get his, his head over onto the other side of the bull's back and it picks him back up. Like, I was watching it in slow motion. I'm like, I don't even know how you can like how the human body can do that. Like, but you know, Stetson Stetson's really good at flashing up, flashing up bulls. He, he's uh he's a lot like how, you know, um, like how Jess and Jose kind of were, um, you know, they get the bet. He gets the best out of the bulls. You know, he's also, you know, he's light too. Josh rides a little bit heavier, like a heavier style kind of, you know, doesn't necessarily still rides on his legs, but you know, I just think that if it wasn't for Stetson's flashy riding style and Sage's consistency, I think Josh would have two or three world titles at this point. But I was just thinking, I was just thinking about that though, where it's like, it's more of a situational thing, right? Like I can see where that, that self-preservation model is like, if you're at like a, a $800 added pro rodeo and you're, hanging off the side yeah. of one like there's no point in risking yeah. getting injured right like but if you yeah, which i think which i think finals yeah 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 which i think you see like at the finals you, you'll see josh you know playing the one and, and you know and try his ass off but i think you know you know he goes to you know wherever i don't know but you know he goes you know at houston you know like all the big ones houston san antonio san angelo stuff like that you know he'll be bearing down and trying his ass off but I think you go, you know, somewhere in the middle of Oklahoma or Washington or something like that, and he's got something. And, you know, I think, you know, at some point you kind of got to look at it. And it's at the at the end of the day, you know, you're riding bulls, but you're also it's, – it's a business. And so if you can't get on in for three weeks because you got hurt because you made a stupid decision of 
you know, trying to stay on this thing when you're only going to be 67 points and you're not going to make any money, you know, it's kind of, you kind of got to look at it both ways. You got to look at it with that old school cowboy mentality of, you know, bear down, get the job done no matter what. But at the same time now there's, there's so much money that, you know, there's always another one to go to is what I always say. Like, like, um, you know, this, this summer with, uh, with Ash and stuff, I was kind of traveling with him, um, him and Tyler and stuff. And, you know, we, the one time I think, I think all three of us did pretty, we didn't do great. I think it was Kelowna. We all headed out to Kelowna and, uh, yeah, we all did terrible. And me and Ashton, we're, we're driving back and we're trying to figure out whether or not we should go to, uh, Morris, Manitoba or Czar Lake. And we're like, well, we'll see what we got drawn. Cause we needed the money to get to CFR. So we're like, we are thinking of going to Manor. Well, then we go to Czar, we get the draw for Czar and we're like, okay, well we have to go to Czar. Well, so we get done at Czar and, or we're driving to Czar and I'm like, man, I'm like, there's always another bull riding. I'm like, just cause we sucked at this one. Doesn't mean we're going to suck at this one. Like completely different day, completely different bulls. And then sure is not sure enough. He went out. He won the long round. I finished second in the long round. We went out there, picked our bulls. I was the only guy to stay on in the short round, but we we ended up leaving there with first and second, and we did the same at Kinsella too. So that was kind of cool, being able to get to do all that stuff. So then, and you didn't go to Morris, but you still <laughs> made the CFR, so it was fine. No, we didn't. Uh, we did not go to Morris. We didn't feel the need to <laughs> save uh, the miles. We did not want to drive all the way from Kelowna, from the middle of BC, all the way out to to Winnipeg pretty well. So, <laughs> oh boy, we uh, we just uh, we went back to Ashen's house, and I think we went fishing the one day, and then we went to the, and we went to the bull riding. Heading it like going from the CFR where you went over six or whatever it is, and heading into the PBR Canadian final. Like, how, what did you do to flip the switch? Because you rode really good at, in Edmonton, and eventually walked away with with your first Canadian title. So. It had to be something looming over you leaving leaving Red Deer heading to Edmonton. There was. Um, you know, um I think I think the biggest thing was is is I got to I got to go back home and, and you know Maddie um Maddie kinda helped me out with it and she's just like, you know, like she's she told me she's like, You don't you don't want you didn't want that championship. You know, like I, I write down my goals every single year. I didn't, I didn't write down, you know, win the CPRA or, you know, I wrote down win the average, but that was, she's like, but your, your main goal this entire year has been the PBR Canada. So she's like, so now you got a chance to, you're coming in in a good position. You got a shot at that. She said, you, you can't worry about what happened. You, you just got to go out and, and, you know, this is, this is the one that you care about. This is the place that you, you like the PBR more than you like pro rodeoing and stuff like that. So she's like, so just, you know, this is, this is where you want to be. This is where you want to go. She's, you know, worry about this. Don't worry about, worry about the other stuff. And I think that's the thing. Like, um, I don't know if you guys have been seeing it, but they, uh, they've been replay. Uh, reposting a, a thing of John Rom all over Facebook and stuff. And it's have the memory of a goldfish or the goldfish is the happiest animal on the earth. 
And you guys know why? The shortest memory. 10 second yeah, it's memory. Got a 10 second memory. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so they've been kind of reposting that. And that's, that's kind of what you need. Like even I'll, even when I make a good ride, I, I don't sit there and rewatch it over and over and over again, because at the end of the day, that's you, you, that's just something that you accomplished. Now you go out and do something else. You take the, take the positives from it and, and move on. And, you know, you store that good memory with you and, and keep going and get rid of the bad ones. Did you, did you do anything crazy with your uh, $50,000 you won in the finals? Uh, no, me and Maddie bought a house. So most of it went to, uh, getting the house set up and everything like that. Um, the, probably though, like you would have seen me at, at the bar after <laughs> and you asked me I heard for about a it. certain amount of money. It. Yeah, it was, uh, we had a good time at the bar. I just remember we got, we got the party bus booked and we didn't have enough time to go to like a liquor store or anything to get beer. So I had a, Jason gave me a bottle of Pendleton and then Prescott came in and gave us a bottle of tequila. And so we had that in the dressing room. So we we're kind of sipping on that. And we figured, well, we better get going and get to the bar. So we get to the bar or so then we get the bus ordered and we couldn't get any beer or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever, we'll just have these and we'll get some there. There's cups on the bus. So then we we're just drinking that. Yeah. I think just drinking the tequila and the between mixing the whiskey and the tequila together <laughs> on the bus didn't make for a great start. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we got to the bar and I was like, okay, I'm buying everybody around of shots. And I just like, I'm like, okay, I start counting people and I'm like, eh. and then I just look at the guy. I'm like, do you guys take card? And he said, yeah, well, we take card. I'm like, okay, perfect. I look around, start trying to count everybody. I'm like, screw it. Give me 20 Jager bombs. And then I just started <laughs> passing them out to, I don't know half the people I pass them out to. I just know I got, I just got like my main crew that I, that I needed to get them to. And then after that, it was just everybody. If, it, if anybody was walking by, they were getting a Jager bomb because that, that's my go-to. So yeah, so that was, uh, it was, it was a fun night and you know, we, uh, definitely, uh, definitely woke up with a headache after that, but <laughs> Uh, could have done that bad yeah. if you remember all that much that's pretty good it's pretty good drunken that, that, that's the only little bit that i that's that's the first little bit that i remember but that's because that was right like we walked into the bar and i went right <laughs> up the that's the first thing i did oh, and man. and then after that it kind of gets into a blur and i remember Kobe was telling me a story about about me puking in the bar and almost right by him and i was like well that's because i was I just had Brinson had bought two tequila shots for me. So then I had to do these two tequila shots and, but I'm like, well, I ain't a coward, so I'm going to do them, but With the champ I don't does. like tequila. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. According, yeah. I guess what the champ does is the champ just gets really, really drunk the night he wins it and then regrets all his decisions for, from that <laughs> night. So, Hey, but you bought a place though. Where'd you buy the place at? That's big news. Buying a house. Hopefully you got like, better interest rates than all the folks buying houses now. Yeah. So we, uh, we, uh, just got a place on her, uh, on Maddie's grandparents property. So we're just up by, um, Al area there. So, uh, we, uh, we moved, uh, like a mobile home trailer and it's got two additions on either side of it. So it doesn't feel like a trailer. 
so we just moved that on and, and we found it on uh, Facebook marketplace and we, uh, you know, we had to do some, some renovations to it to make it a little bit more livable than what it was and, and a little bit nicer, but you know, between, uh, between me and Maddie, uh, you know, we got most of it figured out except for the only thing that's still pissing me off is the freaking water. Cause our water line keeps freezing coming into oh, the, no. not our, not our pipes in the house. Cause I spent, I spent two weeks chasing, chasing leaks and bursts in the, in the pipes there. But, um, the main water line, when it gets really cold out, it, it still freezes. So I gotta, oh no. when I get, when I get back home here after, after these next couple of events, I'll, I'm going to get that all figured out. Dang. That's going to have to be like, you got to bury it way deeper in the ground or what's the deal? Uh, I think I just got to do a little bit more. I think I got to do uh, some some insulating and stuff like that, and and get okay. the line. Uh, I never really got had the chance to uh, get it set up perfectly for winter. It was the biggest thing. So like our our skirting, like we never really got all of our skirting in and stuff like that, and ah, okay, and the water line. Uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of a little bit of a learning curve, learning how to how to live in a house like that. So it was also I keep telling everybody exceptionally cold last year that wasn't or this winter that wasn't very helpful either but yeah just for, those kinda, that, for those that don't know too so, alsike is on uh, the junction of highway 20 and highway 39 which is ends up uh turning into 22 when you get closer to drayton valley so between alsike's kind of right between drayton valley and leduc straight north east of, yeah. or west of rimby so yeah it's Close right in the I middle yeah from. yeah for yeah, those in the US, it's in Alberta. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but I wish mentioned- I wish uh, somewhere a little bit more, more south. Wow, it's maybe okay. maybe down maybe down here somewhere, but someday, uh, someday. Yeah, you win a couple yeah, more of those fifty thousand dollar checks, you can do way more of the things you want to do. Yeah, well, shoot, that's just a win at on the UTV tour. Honestly, like it's true, really. I'm right? looking at you know like everybody, 40, like, this everybody whose win has been making yeah forty two. 41, 42,000, depending on, on the round, how you do in the rounds and stuff like that. So I'm like, well, and speaking of that, and you that's got American. Close. Yeah. You got pretty close a couple of times, uh, with the, like we were talking about earlier in the thing here, Milwaukee, you were sixth, uh, New Orleans, you were fifth. I want to say you just missed your short round bull rides at those ones. That was it. You would have stayed on the short round. It could have been even, even closer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know that, that, and that's just, a lot of it's coming down. The one thing that I have to get better at is, is remembering bulls and knowing bulls. Um, the one that really got away from me is new Orleans. I really, really messed that one up in the short round. Um, looking back on it, uh, I had gotten on, I'd gotten on in the long round on the second day and got bucked off and I got stepped on. He stepped on my, like on my calf and then on my thigh on, on and so I got both of my legs. So both my legs were just killing me. And I was near the end of the end of the long round. And so I didn't really feel like uh, putting new rosin on my rope. I felt like it was sticky enough. And I had done the same in, in Lethbridge. I didn't, I didn't rosin before the long round or before the short round in Lethbridge. And I, and I won there and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to just do what we did at Lethbridge, right? That should work. And then, yeah, second jump, I go to set my hips and lift on my rope, and I'm staring at my hand in front of me, hoping I'm – and I said, man. So after that, I have gotten it ridiculous, like scary sticky almost now because I'm like, 
I'm not letting an opportunity like that go away. And that's probably what? part of the reason why I didn't get to go to Nampa this weekend. Cause I got to heal up now from getting wrecked yeah. out. But, but you also like, you just had to stay on it. Eh? Like you won the first round or no, you didn't win. You were second in the first round. Yeah. So Dalton, Dalton, won it on Dalton, two bulls. Dalton, Dalton wins every round. It seems but, like but you, they won it on two bulls though. Like you only had to make one more ride. That's, for... that's how it's been. That's how it's been yeah. at the last, the last, uh, last 86 would have won now. it. 86 points. That's it. Yeah. Wow. And I would have been, I would have been probably 40, 90. Richer. Yeah. Um, probably would have but... been 89, 90 on that bull that I, that I had picked. So we're talking and then going, going forward, you've got, uh, you're, you're going to Billings. Billings is one of the ones that's further. Do they take more guys to Billings? Is that how they've been doing? Like they did in Sacramento and Sioux Falls, or are you qualified now? You're 42nd uh, world. You got to get to yeah, top 35 so, to make the finals. Yeah. Yeah. So they take the top 35, but there's a, I, I called Jack. Um, when I, when I called him about Nampa to tell him that I wasn't going to go to Nampa and, and take weekend off. Um, I, uh, I asked him just briefly about injuries. And so I think with right now, I think I'm in there. I think there's eight guys that are, that are out with injuries that won't be at the world finals. And then, um, Oh, at the world finals even really. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, they're, wow. they're out, out. Yeah. So, um, but you still got to qualify cause you're 42nd. So technically you're in, yeah. but people could pass you. Yeah. So you got to get after it and still. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So that's why I took Nampa off. Um, you know, last year I felt like I did a really good job of kind of managing my season when I did get hurt and stuff like that. Um, you know, not, prioritizing where I needed to go when I needed to go and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, if I was feeling sore, you know, just take it off because I knew coming down the stretch, you know, we had those cup events that you, that you want to be healthy for. So I, uh, I feel like, you know, I just got to make sure I do that this year. And, and, uh, you know, I'd appreciate, I would have appreciated maybe a, a call from, uh, Tanner Byrne, uh, briefly about uh you know the different events and which ones not to go to and which ones to you know if you're feeling kind of sore maybe take uh maybe take that one off and then come back for that one because i probably would have not went to sioux falls <laughs> what, um, what's you know. the deal there <laughs> classic well, bowls or what yeah it was uh yeah the first round was classic bowls so everything box um which isn't bad you know like you still got to ride those ones but also at the same time too, I had messed up my groin in the short round in Albuquerque. So I was kind of going there and just more or less just seeing, seeing if I was, you know, good. I figured, you know, I'd wrap it and, and see how it went. Everything felt good, but you know, knowing that it would have been a classic and then, you know, with the format it was and everything like that, probably would have turned out of that one and then went to Nampa because Nampa was just a normal style event. And there was a lot of guys that uh that were hurt for that one so you know that would have been a good one to to go to to and some canadian get some bulls points. nansen had a bunch down there so it was the same thing with billings yeah yeah i think i think he might have a couple more and i think Lindsay might have a couple going there and i don't know if josh will have any but um yeah that was billings was one that i definitely wanted to go to because i'm like all the canadians will be there so i'm like well you know it's like i got my own little crew there I got i got my bodyguards especially if, if Josh and Lindsay come like, <laughs> and I definitely got, I know I'm not getting jerked down in the shoot. Like I got, I got good spots in the bucket <laughs> shoots. That's for sure. So. So then, uh, and then after that, are you going to, are you going to just stay up and go to Everett and Tacoma 
then come back for Louisville or cause it's so close. Yeah. You got two days off. eh? Yeah. So, uh, so I actually drove my van down here to Vegas. So just so that I could, you know, I could get around. I didn't have to Uber so I could go to the gym and, and, you know, go get worked on and stuff like that. So, uh, um, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to drive up to Billings and, uh, I'll go to Billings and then after Billings, I'll drive over to Seattle and then, uh, Maddie's coming down there for, for that that's her birthday weekend and stuff like that so she's gonna come and hang out and then she'll fly back home after whatever the second one is everett or tacoma, tacoma. well they're tacoma is the second one yeah okay. so she, then she'll fly home after tacoma and then um i might uh i might just drive over to great falls and uh and then catch a flight out of great falls and go to louisville and then uh from there then i'll I'll go back home and then I got a spot in the philosophy finals too with, with uh, my Canadian title last year. So that gets me a, one of the, I'm one of the international invites for that. So even if I don't qualify, it's in Corpus Christi. Oh, that's right. The first week, like with the WCR same time. Yeah. May 5th and 6th or something. Oh, cool. Okay. So that means no Brooks. So your next Canadian event won't be till like Brandon or what's your plan? Probably after the world finals. Yeah, after ended. after the world finals, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. hopefully after the world finals. So okay, right um, on. Yeah, no. So and then, um, yeah. So we'll go down. We'll probably go to those, and then. So at least you know, there's there's not that much pressure right now as far as you know qualifying for the world finals because I still got that backup of of the velocity finals that I can go in through there. So. Yeah, got would it. the points from that count to the world standings too? So you could no, and that's no. that's the worst. That's the worst part about the way that the Weird. points are set up this year, is that, um, it's just all based off of it. It's qualifier points. So now instead of like, so that I got I got onto tour based off of Lethbridge, and Palm Springs and and Cedar Park, and. There's no world point. Like it used to be like, you know, like you, you'd get like, you go to a velocity and you get 20 point, 20 velocity points for winning the round. And then you get like eight world points. And, and now it they got rid of that and it's, you got points for the velocities, but it, it's qualifier points for the UTVs. So now you go and you, you, it's nice because now you, you get a certain amount of events that you know you got. So you get two, you get to go to two events but at the same time, too, I show up with, you know, eight weeks left in the season. Well, I have to earn – I had to earn, like, if I wanted to get into the top 35 and stay on tour without the guys that have been injured, I had to earn, like, 120 points, which is pretty much I'd have to win that event and place in the top five at the next one. So it kind of sucks the way that – the PBR has changed it in that sense, but I think also too, they're kind of, I think the last couple world titles have been um, decided so much based off of guys going to the velocity finals and earning enough points there to kind of help them get that. I was going to say, what do you think about the whole structure? I, I feel like the structure probably is similar to golf. Uh, it's too top heavy in my opinion. The guys that win, it's great. Like, especially for you, you win Canada, you win, you know, I think you won almost a hundred grand, but the guy that's second doesn't win as much. Jared did really well because he won the finals. Um, I think this payout's a little bit, a little bit too top heavy. It's great to get that top guy to win the 50,000, but 
it's the same thing on the tour too, because you can go and be sixth and you win 4,000, but then you go to uh, Albuquerque and you're 12th, you make 700 bucks and you're not even making money. Meanwhile, you're paying your own way to go everywhere. Um, yeah. I don't know if the top shouldn't pay as much because it's great when you win, but you know, I just looked at the world standings again and I always, I think about this and I'm like, geez, these guys and you know, here, so here's all the way up to, there's an anomaly here, 26 in the world. So this one's really bad. 20, 25th and 6th in the world, they've been to 18 and 13 events respectfully, been on 39 bulls. Zeke, Ezekiel Mitchell has won 22,000 and Marcelo Pereira has won 15,9. And they've been to like yeah. 20 events. They haven't won any, hardly any money. Um, you go and you go a little bit further down and these guys in the bottom, like 35, you know, no offense to anybody in this spot, but like you won 10 grand and you've been to like 30 events. Like you're paying to put yeah. on the PBR events almost like, no, like yeah. I do a lot of these events, but I like, this is, well, this, is and that's the... this guy's got $0 Dalton Rudman. Ed and I mean, has two guys been to the six, uh, six events, been on 13 bulls, won $0. Yeah. 61st in the world right now. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like I know, I know there's a lot of like, and I kind of thought this before last year is the PBR is great if you're winning, but it sucks if you're not. If you're a guy who, you know, rides your bulls, but you're not, you don't win rounds and stuff, it kind of sucks. And uh, that's kind of the nice thing about the pro rodeo is you can go and if you're placing, you're, you're making money. And then, you know, you go to CFR and if you just ride all your bulls, you're, you're going to make a lot of money at CFR. Right. And, uh, I think that's the biggest thing with, with the PBR is is that the pay spread out is, is so big, but they like that big number for the first place guy. But then if you look at third place, it's three quarters of what that guy has made. You know, the, the pay is, the pay is a lot different, but they've they've done that in a sense and i think it's kind of um because of the way that silvano went about it with the not taking re-rides and stuff like that and and you know just Which staying we found on was and, a myth. and all we that figured out that was a myth what's that that he, he, that he didn't not take taking the re-rides like it that, that it doesn't make a difference in the big scheme of things right. i think that we figured yeah, out that hey. was a myth didn't we at time, at time, at t- I think at times it doesn't. Like these last three events, like there's no way that you should have taken any free rides at any of those events. The guy you had two bulls for. Well, I think one guy. If you rode three bulls for fifty points and they just ran off every single one of them, you would have won. Like, is this? I'm just. I haven't. I haven't been on the PBR website lately, but oh yeah, so this is Nampa, Idaho. So Nampa, Idaho, Ramon. Nampa, Lina. they finally rode one in the short round. Yeah, but he was sixty-one and a quarter points. So yeah. If you wanna if you wanna change the payout because of guys not taking rerides, then you gotta change your whole fucking structure of everything. Because yeah, your basic principle is if you get a score, you're already above a guy that wrote a bowl for seven seconds for ninety six points. If you get to yeah. eight seconds, you're 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 ahead of anybody with anything. So if you wanna reward somebody for not taking rerides, you gotta change your whole entire structure of your sport or your payout or yeah. like the entire thing is screwed up, but just this last weekend, he rides three bulls, which I obviously like they had it really screwed up a couple of years ago when the, when Stetson Lawrence won the average and didn't win the event. That was really fucked up, but at <laughs> least, 
At least yeah. it's back to the fact where, you know, the guy rides three bulls, he who rides the most wins. Like they could take all the fucking points and everything out of everything and whoever wrote, stays on the most bulls wins the year end. Like you could go back to that and probably get rid of a lot of the bullshit. But anyways, guy that wins wins 53,000 US. Second place is 23, third place is 3,000. Well, there's Zeke Mitchell. There's his entire crew, season earnings in one event, two bull rides. Then you go down to fourth, fifth at 6,500. Sixth is 3,800, 14,000. You know, like top 10 each get a thousand bucks, but like, geez, if that first guy won like 30 grand, you could give everybody else 2,000 bucks for travel expenses for the weekend. Then you're going to the tour and not losing your ass and paying to go, right? They, but, they just started, know. they just started giving up like show up checks again now, too. They're giving them again? Which, yeah, which is, well, they give you if you don't make bucks. any money at the event, they give you four hundred bucks. Okay, well, that's better Which, than nothing. Depending on where lot. you're at, but it doesn't cover that much. I think it should be a thousand. Like I think I, I don't know. Like it should be a thousand dollars to go to these events. Should be enough but to I mean, cover your, your flights at least. Like, oh, yeah. So, well, what are your thoughts though, Nick? That's that's what I was trying to get at. I was like, what do you think about it all? You know what? The the more that I've I got to spend a lot of time um, last weekend in Sioux Falls. I got to be around. Uh, I got to hang out with Outlaw and and Fritzlin and and Jess Petrie and and all them boys. And getting to be around Outlaw, who's been around it for a long time, you know, you realize that there's a lot of stuff that that uh, the bull riders we kind of have to you know start taking a bit of a stand. The only problem is is the bull riders created the PBR, but we just can't. At this point, we're they'll just find more bull riders. They can, everybody's replaceable, kind of thing. So, you know, I'm not sure what it's gonna gonna take, but I think, uh, you know, I think there's some things that you know the that we have to change and and everything like that. And there's a lot of drama and stuff like that. But um, you know, the one thing that that I'll say is, um, with uh, I was listening to jared parsonage talk last year and he said you know if you just keep your head down and keep your mind out of all the bullshit that everybody else is saying and, and the drama he said you just put your head down and don't really worry about it too much you know you'll you'll be a champion yeah you know and it's 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 something that you know you gotta you want to try to leave the sport in a better place than than you found it um but at the same time too you know you you got to do what's also best for you at, at that time too. Right. So it's a, it's a tough spot that, that the bull riders are kind of in right now because the, the PBR is so powerful that, you know, we, we have a tough time, you know, standing up for ourselves and, you know, there's, there's some drama that happened in, in, uh, in um, Sioux Falls and, and, and stuff like that. Well, and, went down, you know, so. I don't want to get too much into it, but um, there's they there was one rider in there that that did some stuff, and the PBR wasn't too happy. And and there was talk about uh, I don't know how many of us, but there was a couple of couple of us that uh, for sure that weren't uh, weren't going to get on on the Saturday. Really, and was that yeah, because of like the reason. classic or something? Or I I have no idea what the scenario was. It, or what you can say. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, I won't tell too much about it, but, um, yeah, they're just, we're just talking about it at, at lunch and, 
I was, I was texting Maddie and I was saying, I don't know if we're actually going to be getting on tonight. And, uh, we almost shouldn't have because we only rode one freaking bull that night too. So <laughs> maybe we would have been better off just not getting on and saved our bodies and whatever. But yeah, so. Huh. Um, Nick, we, uh, I don't, I've, I've got a couple more things I want to get to. Uh, Wacy, where are you at? I'm you're, Yeah, go ahead, man. You're good. Okay. I got to ask about, uh, about goals. You talked about goals. But I mean, we got, I kind of want to. I don't want to get off this track either, though, because because there's there's something something here. But I mean, the riders, like you say, were re, they're replaceable. I even have like I don't have that much um, clout on my side either because I'm replaceable too with most everything I do. So like so is Wacy, so is everybody. Like we're we're all replaceable. So like it. I wonder what the. I wonder what it might take to do something else there. I, I don't know, but I mean, yeah. I, I remember even having a conversation with Tanner about this back when Ty passed away about how there should have been a, how there should be a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a union or a like, but, but then those, but then we talked about that, about how nobody was going to do anything that way either because not everybody would agree to it. So. Yeah. The, the biggest thing is, is trying to, you know, figure out, you got to have one guy who, can speak for the riders, but you know, it's, yeah, it gets tough. It gets tough with, with everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we'll get to that another time, but the, you said that you write down your goals each year. So what, what do you got for goals this year? What, what are the, what do you want to do? Um, well, I think, I think I heard somewhere that, um, that there, there hasn't been a PBR Canada champion back to back. So I'd like to be able to cross that off the list. I think that would be uh, pretty sweet. Um, even if there is one, I'd still, I still think going back to back would just be cool. Just, you know, just solidify it and then everything like that. But um, I think You're uh, right. another there hasn't one, been a back to back champion yet. Aaron, all Aaron's yeah. titles were, he was eight, 10 and 12. Uh, Zane was, was 13 and then 17. Uh, Cover truck was 18, 21. So Anybody with two, yeah, they've been separated. Yeah, so I think uh, I think going back to back would be pretty sweet. Um, so you know, I got that one down, and then the the big one that uh, that I wanted to accomplish this year was uh, winning the Glen Keeley Award. Um, I thought that that would be, you know, that'd be a really cool award to be able to get. Um, you know, especially with. Uh, you know, winning the Glen Keeley already. Uh, and you know, that's just every, I remember, I remember watching hell on who I remember watching you get picked on, on hell on Hooves, And I remember them talking <laughs> about the Glen Keeley and how special it was. And, you know, um, just you, you show up to that event and you can feel the energy and, and the presence that Glenn had on everybody. And, you know, that's one that you, I think that's a big one that you want to win is and accomplish is, is kind of get that and, uh, and then qualify for the world finals. Um, I think is a big one. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's been a, been a couple of years since, uh, you know, we've had anybody it's, it's been a couple of years since we've had a couple of boys, you know, kind of stay down and really, go and, and get after the the world finals um and you know make a run for it and 
you know, and then stay there. So, you know, it's kind of been that since, uh, Dakota, since Posey and Tanner. Well, and Dakota yeah. had a pretty, we had pretty Dakota, we had Dakota on there all the time, but you know, I was, I was, I was talking to Maddie about it too. And I was saying like, if I, I might, I might give my velocity spot up if I'll, I got to talk to Jack about it, but I might give my velocity spot up to somebody to try to get, you know, another Canadian and in, in the world finals. If, if I qualify for, for the world finals on my own, just cause I want, I want, I want more people to come down here and, you know, come and try to make it down here. Cause you know, it's, it's really easy to stay back home is a, is the biggest problem is it's so easy to stay at home. You get to wake up in your own bed on, you know, Monday night, every, mm-hmm. you know, get to go home every week and you can drive eight hours instead of having to fly everywhere. But down here, it's just so much cooler. The bull riding is so much better. The bulls are better. And uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's just, a, or I wouldn't say it's more fun, but it's just as fun. And, the people you get to meet and just how cool everyone is down here is pretty sweet. Well, and I gotta, I gotta say, Nick, um, I, I only competed down, down that way a little bit. Um, never did any good, but for those that, you know, want to make the list that we've made, like the, the greatest of all time from Canada, there's only a few guys that have maybe, maybe none that have really made those lists that haven't competed against the best in the world to be, yeah. To go down as one of the all-time greats, we have to compete at that elite level, right? So, so I give kudos to you for for having the, you know, I don't know what the word is if it's like the the gumption or the confidence or the the desire, but I, I think it's important to have those desires to be at that elite level. So, so go get it, man. You can you can do it. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is 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 not is not having a backup plan you you know like like for me like all i really want to do right now is just ride bulls so that's all i do like you know I, it's not like and i'm not i don't want to you know kind of nag on anybody back home or anything like that but you know there's lots of guys back home that you know they still have they still have a job that they got to do monday through friday or, or you know whatever but you know they got something else that you know if bull riding's not going great they still got another way of making a little bit of money uh, you know, so that they can get up and down the road. For me, for the last two years, this is this is how it's been. Is this all I do is just ride bulls, right? So, and that's the nice thing about getting down here is all these guys are the exact same way. They all they all get up and down the road through riding bulls, and I think that's why it's just it's made it a little easier coming down here is because all the all those guys they all have the same. We all have the same goals, and and we all know what it takes, and we all know the kind of the worry that you have sometimes with it, but at the same time too, it's, that's just what you got to do to, to be one of the greater bull riders, you know, like I remember watching. Yeah. I remember watching Posey at the 2016 world finals and he was kicking ass and like, you know, he was winning. winning Yeah. He won a couple of rounds and was going into the, fourth or the fifth round or the short round leading it and i remember thinking man that's gonna be so cool like that'll be so cool if a, if a canadian wins it and then i was thinking shit i won't get to do it first <laughs> right so you know that's kind of that's kind of the way that that i kind of think is you know like i want to like that's something that like i want to be able to accomplish is i want to be 
I want to be the first one to be able to do that. But, you know, at the same time, still got to make it, make it first. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that I always think is I never think, never think small, never think, well, you can't do it because, you know, you, you didn't grow up doing it. You know, it's like, no shit, I can do it. Like the only person stopping me is me. Right. What, uh, what about reading books? What books are you into or what, where do you, where'd you get that mindset? Is that one of your coaches from the hockey side of things, your parents or, or a different coach from a different sport or where does that come from? Yeah. So like I, I've read lots of books. I, I spent a couple of, a uh, couple weeks at, at Gary LaFuse house uh, between a couple of summers. Um, so, you know, him too. Um, but most recently I've, uh, I've actually started working with uh, an actual mental coach, um, which that's helped a lot after Reno. I called, uh, I called Leanne from Acumen because, you know, I, that's where I work out and everything. And I asked her if she had any good, mental coaches that I could talk to that and I was just struggling and it was, it was what I was telling you guys before with you know just the pressure and everything like that and I talked to him and I sat there and I talked to him I think for an hour and a half and uh you know we kind of realized the the why and and, and why you, you were doing everything and, and you know just when the negative thoughts kick in how to deal with those and everything like that and the feeling and he's it's it's just you get that different perspective from somebody who knows how the mind works and, and it and it helps you out so much more than you know just trying to read a read a book and, and comprehend there's so much in a book to comprehend and there's different tricks that you figure out and everything like that it's it's almost too much for for one person to take in you have to read them over and over and over and over and over to, to constantly take in all of that information. And, you know, working with, working with him, it was just like, bang, everything just clicked right there. And it was just like, I felt more relaxed going to the board outings. I felt more confident. I felt like, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting judged by anyone, but I felt like I was getting judged when I did bad just because of what I had accomplished last year. And I was, representing all the boys from back home and you know like that's one thing is i felt like you know if i was the champion from last year well that means that i'm i'm it's just how i was thinking at the time i'm better than everybody else from last year so if i'm sucking like this what do they think about all the other boys that i beat like you know like i like i was worried about you know what they thought about them too and then me and you know, it's just, everything was just compounding. And then, you know, an hour with him and it was just like, mine was blank and it was just like, okay, like we're just having fun. It's just riding bulls. Wacy, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. So we better, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap it up. Sounds good. Well, Nick, we appreciate the time. Um, it's been really cool to pick your brain and, and hear your stories. So we'll leave you with the last question we ask all of our guests on cowboy shit, which as a listener, I'm sure you know what's coming. Uh, what yeah. is your definition of cowboy shit? Uh, I would say, I'd say my definition of cowboy shit is, is doing the stuff that you don't want to do, but you know that you kind of have to do, you know, I think, I think that's one thing that a lot of, you know, if you're doing cowboy shit, like most of the time you don't want to have to be doing that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I think, you know, whether it's 
you know, showing up to work and with a smile on your face or, you know, going, going to the gym when you, when you don't feel like going and, you know, just, just doing whatever it takes to kind of get the job done, I'd say is, is how I would describe uh cowboy shit. Well, we love it, man. And we, we wish you all the best here in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll be cheering for you to make the, the PBR World Finals and we'll definitely be keeping an eye on, on what you're up to. So thanks again for the time. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, boys. It was, it was a blast. Thanks, Nick. Best of luck out there. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Nick Tetz for joining us on the show this week. Best of luck to Nick. Nick on his on his uh, journey, hopefully, to the 2023 <laughs> PBR World Finals in Fort Worth, Texas. The 30th anniversary of the PBR and the finals are in Fort Worth. Dickie's Arena coming up pretty soon. Pretty damn soon. It's going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. So best of luck to Nick. But one thing he brought up uh, was steer riding in Canada. Two hands versus one hand. We've had a few debates about the steer riding over the years. Cole Ashbacker, <laughs> we uh, had a fun chat with him about a story I wrote one time uh, on some of the other, some of the cattle they use, which is something that's probably uh, similar in the U.S. With one thing that I think is an issue a lot of times, or it can be, it has been here still too, is the level of the stock, like <laughs> the stock that the stock that people use for the steer riding or novice events a little bit screwed up mini bowls even sometimes yeah a little bit aggressive sometimes but but two hands versus one hand um what are your thoughts ways um i grew up with dakota butter and i grew up when tanner and dakota were kind of going head to head in the street riding and it was kind of funny because dakota was riding two hands and tanner was riding one hand but i don't know in my conversations with dakota and just because i rode two hands when i was riding steers and junior bulls in the cca and i found that it just helped you learn your foundation so much more with having to take out the element of having to learn how to ride with one hand out of it. So for me, I, I would go, I would say I disagree with Nick in, on some of it, but I also do see where he's coming from. We could look like, look at some of the kids like Grady young, um, how he's turned out, but he rode one hand throughout his whole steer riding career and is turning into a good, pretty good little bull rider. So I think it'd be more so of a case by case basis of just like how we, where you're at developmentally. Cause I know for a smaller kid riding two hands is probably, going to be a bit easier than a little tiny kid riding with one hand. I, I wonder about this too. Um, Cause there's the, like the jerk down factor with two hands. You can't really mm-hmm. get yourself out of a jam with two. You can't like pull out a hand and stop yourself. You just take it on the chin. So mm-hmm. I probably hit my head more. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but honestly, about... but that speaks to your, your point about the stock, right? Like when you were going, yeah, there's the some... stock was probably a little bit better than, cause now they've got it to a point where the stock is a little more reasonable. Whereas, yeah, you're I seeing less kids hit their heads. Ones. You know yeah. what I mean, right? Exactly. Like it kind of yeah. all again circles back to the to the um to the stock level. Cause even in the CCA, when they used to do the A pool and B pool and the junior bull riding, like Dakota and I were getting on like three and four year old bulls with two hands sometimes. Like the only time I ever seen Dakota buck off two hands was 
on one of Chris Johnson's bulls in the CCA finals. And he did get jerked down, but it's a matter of probably just a matter of being a little bit overmatched at that age. Right. But yeah, there was plenty of that. Yeah. So I I think, I think now at this point with the, that they have a better handle on it with the stock, I think it's less, that's less of a factor, but you do make a good point about that. Like there's definitely the higher risk of getting jerked down running two hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the, how did you, when, so when you switched from two hands to one hand, did you find it hard to switch? Well, so what I did in the steer riding was the last kind of year that I was riding in the steer riding, I had a lot of times where I'd kind of like pull one hand out at the end of the ride kind of by accident, kind of by necessity, depending on what was going on. And, um, and I wrote a few or at least, you know, kind of got the feel for it kind of accidentally, Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was riding the junior bulls at the same time. Mm -hmm. So one time the guys entered me by accident and then I won the rodeo and the junior bull riding (laughs) before I even knew I was really entered. Mm -hmm. And I probably wouldn't have done it myself because I was probably too scared, but they entered me and then I won. So then I was like, yeah, this is no big deal. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think I had like hung on to the side of a bull for like a 52 or something stupid, but I won, but I was the only guy to stay on. Mm-hmm. But, but I didn't find it to be much of a transition. The only, the funny part though, is that those times that I had my hand fly out, my right hand was on the fell, fell out. So I was running one handed left handed. And then, and then, then what? Then, then I, but I still made the rides. Like there was one time at the FCA finals where I made like a really good ride but I had like got jerked down the first jump and my like lens blew out of my glasses. And then I still rode this cow for, and like won the round, like had like a pretty good day, mm-hmm. but if I got jerked down and my hand blew out. Then I rode this thing left-handed, but I, I rode like 12 bulls in the bull riding right-handed before I figured out I should go back to my left hand. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of weird that way. But, um, but I would say that it's still going to be a, it still should probably be a choice. Uh, but I could see the, I could see the benefit of it, of one-handed being a thing. So it's kind of what do I I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's tough because there's no definitive evidence of either way, right? Like you, well, there's again like there's any stats, right? Like nobody has any stats or anything. No, but and when you just look at like guys from the past like like again Tanner and Dakota for instance like Dakota grew up, grew up riding two hands and Tanner rode one hand all the way growing up and yeah. they both had you pretty say, damn good careers both of them, right? You could say, well, the I guess the only difference there though is that Tanner had the best finish ever by a Canadian. So he's mm-hmm. top ten on the list where Dakota's pretty close, but just uh, didn't he make the list? Because he, he did, he's close, yeah. Right? So he's top he ten. Yeah, I think he was top ten because he had three Canadian titles when we made it, I think. That's true. So he's probably close probably on it anyways. Mm-hmm. But but anyways, like yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. I'm really not sure, Wacy. Yeah, I I don't I, I think for Good yeah, debate. I yeah, I think it's for me, case by case basis, but I think there's no really, I don't think it's like six one way, half dozen the other, I would say. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what people have to say. Yeah, that's Let us know what you think. think, folks. I already know what all the Americans are going to say. So, yeah, that's, that's okay, though. <laughs> that's fine. Um, Wacy, man, today is the day. It's the first day of the na- of the National Hockey League. It's Stand Canadian Christmas. Canadian, it's also known as Canadian Christmas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And you sent me something today, and I was like, "Whoa, really, mm-hmm. really?" Mm-hmm. It's a big. So, it's a, it took a lot for me to send that to you, and and oh, just like wow. making my bracket and admitting wow. what I admitted took a lot yeah. for me to say. Yeah. So do you want to do you want to take this time to come out of the uh, 
out of the uh, out of hiding and let people know what what you have what your thoughts are on the playoffs this year and what your Man, predictions are. I so I picked the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Oh my gosh! You heard it here first, folks. Wasey heard Anderson it here, is folks. Now an first. Oilers fan. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> don't you can't you can't twist my oh, words. Are you sure? Are you sure? Just give man, given how good they've played the last since the trade deadline, like it's hard to bet against them. And then you got McDavid playing out of his mind and Dry got some goaltending now. I don't I don't know. Playing don't know well defensively, Toronto, man. I don't know if Toronto's gonna gonna make the uh I don't know if they're gonna make it. I hope they do though. I hope that we get a mm-hmm. Canadian team to make to win the win the cup again, folks. I'm sorry that sort of our American friends listening, but I really hope that Canada can get the cup back. It's been away for thirty years, my entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. Almost since Canadians, uh, Montreal Canadiens won it in 1993. So hoping we can get it back up here. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, man. And I would, I would say that Edmonton, the way they're playing right now, is probably the best shot we have and have have and have had in a long time at That's getting fair. it back up here. They're playing so good. So I hope it works out. Let's get it exciting. I, who Who are I'm you cheering for? Aside from the Oilers, obviously Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> I was cheering for Calgary to pull up their socks and not suck. Fuck. There's some Honestly, big changes that happen in this town. Well, do you you saw the news about Tree Living today, mm-hmm, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if I was him, I would have fucking walked away too from that dumpster fire. <laughs> oh man. Especially Jeez. with the way the mat that ownership and everybody like handles the team and well, I so would, like, what, I would even like dealing Well, I think that like I saw, lot, up. I saw that today that there was a, more of a power struggle between Brad Tree Living and Daryl Sutter, right? Like Daryl has his opinions oh, really? on how he wants the team to run. And mm-hmm. Tree Living like obviously has his way he wanted to do it. And well, couldn't Tree Living people, just fire Daryl? Well, I think it was it was above his head though. Like they were keeping Daryl <laughs> around, right? The ownership, right? Because yeah. the ownership's like a older old school type people, and they want to win right away. Whereas they kind of really didn't. I think they didn't give Tree Living the opportunity to kind of take a small rebuild or a moment to like rebuild the team the way he wanted to. And even like for the instance like of seeing Lucic and Lewis and all those dusty old veterans playing down the stretch of the season and you have so many good young players in the AHL like they're the AHL team just won the the the, the league like they have lead, the league t- like regular season title this year yeah like they like had one of the best the records in recent yeah so they're like they're awesome there's so many good players mm-hmm. so and you just have them rotting away in the AHL so hmm. I don't know man it'll That'd be interesting so it'll be an interesting though. few months yeah like leading up to the draft what's going to be like in Calgary so and who the, sad to see you live and go charge. Yeah, I, I had had a lot of time for that guy. Mm-hmm. He was good stuff. And you see the way the media has reacted, like they had nothing but They're good things to say him. about him. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, they like true living. Tough day when a guy like that, you lose a guy like that in your organization, I would say. But yeah. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. We will see. Um great to see though that uh like like you said, the fi- the playoffs starting. I'm yeah, hoping Edmonton does. I'm really fired well. up. Yeah, hope there's gonna be some really great well. series. Like the East, there's so many good matchups. There's good matchups in the West, like it's going to be an awesome first what round. What do you think Boston's going to do? Do you think they're going to do it? Or are they going to Dude, did you see that they don't even know they don't even know if they're going to have half a lineup today cuz they got a sickness going through the dressing room so like like Allmark no is questionable to play. Swayman hasn't been with the team for no the last way. few days. Bergeron's like game time decision like they're have oh, a, some crazy bug going through their room right now so it could be interesting. I do think they're going to they're they're going to win. They're going to beat the, the Panthers but I don't know, man. It'll be tough. I think once they get to the second round, it'll be tough. Like I think if they end up playing the Leafs, it'll be a tough match. Even if they play the Lightning, it'll be a tough match. But I really hope for Toronto's sake and the entire, uh, the, <laughs> in the entire what, sanity of the hockey world six that they're that they're okay to that they make it through. <laughs> yeah, Holy. it'll be good, but it'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm excited yeah, for the good. New York, the New York, New Jersey series will be fun. 
could you imagine? Well, I guess you can imagine because it's like Edmonton Calgary series, but like be a heck of a series when you're playing that close to home. Mm -hmm. You're kind of nice (laughs) on the travel side to, uh, to not have to go very far in the playoffs. Yeah. And two really exciting teams too. So it'll, it'll be fun. I'm really stoked. I'm hoping Florida's out in like four games just for Kachuk's sake. Although I'd hope that Kachuk beats up on Boston a bit and softens him up for Toronto in the second round. Yeah, it'd be helpful, hey. Because yeah. Toronto really needs to get out of this first round too. Even just even just for that, they got to get out of the first one. Just but they just got to beat that hurdle. I think yeah. they'll be they'll be in good shape. Then they could go all the way, like you're saying. Like your prediction mm-hmm. is Edmonton Toronto final, and and in one pool I picked Edmonton Toronto, the other one I picked Edmonton Boston. So we will see. But it's gonna be, be tough exciting. for for Boston to to win because they're gonna have to like really really show up and do well right because with the, such a crazy record in the regular season the other mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago tampa came in got swept and, and got swept in four <laughs> games right so i don't know well, There's and that's, no and that's just it man they might that could happen with boston too so we'll see it could that's then that's the, like, the what a lot of people are saying is like regular season means nothing like if they it, for that for boston right now it's like cup or bust like if the season's a true. failure if you don't win the cup true just given how good it was so We'll see, man. We'll find out in what sixteen weeks is what it is. About that, probably two weeks oh, yeah. per round, I guess. So maybe like eight weeks. Eight weeks, I think. Sixteen weeks is four months, Wacy. That's a lot. We're probably Final. not still going to be playing hockey in August. I don't think, right? It's a lot of weeks. I think yeah, it's when so hockey just start weeks. back. Back. <laughs> I think it's yeah. eight weeks. <laughs> but that was right. close. Good guess. Um, just, uh, just a bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Okay, well. Uh, Best of luck. Oh, th- I want to say once again, thank you to, uh, um, I forget, I forget who this was now. Hold on. Let me look up. Uh, cause we got an email from someone. Oh, but they're, this they're show. they want to hear from yeah. Jill, Jill Moody. Thanks. She said, uh, Nick Tet Tet's be a cool guest. And, and so here we are mm-hmm. with Nick. Here's your show. Jill Moody. Thanks for, thanks for the, uh, suggestion. And if you have a, uh, suggestion for our next show, let us know and we'll mm-hmm. do our best. We're, we are men of the people. Yeah. Thanks to uh, our editor, Sean Morton, once again, for making us sound good. Wacy, thanks to you for joining me this afternoon and getting the show lined up with Nick. This, uh, this has been Cowboy Shit. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you again in a couple weeks. All right. Thank God that you're still growing old If them demons you're fighting won't go away Drop on your knees and pray Life can get hard sometimes I know Gotta get up and walk straight and narrow When they're chasing you down with an old bloodhound And you're running through the fields for your life You gotta get up, son, I know they're gunning for you